Meanwhile, for some reasons, the, the, the Roman territories of Cilicia and Cyprus, they're turned over from being controlled by Mark, and a Mark Antony back to being controlled by Cleopatra in Egypt. Just, you know, huh. somehow. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. Who knows? He's, he, like, oh. wakes up one morning, hey, where'd Cyprus go? And she's like, <laughs> love me. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Welcome to We Talk About Dead People, a podcast where we pick two dead people and talk about their lives. I'm your host, Aaron C., and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, James D. Say hi, James. You are strategic and floatable. You have excellent taste in t-shirts. Well, that's just true. I know that's true. <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to be more affirmative today. Like, Oh, thanks. To you and the listeners. That goes to, to, to everybody. Oh, do I really look that good? I got it at Goodwill. Well, what does it? What is it? Oh, um, it's a black T-shirt. <laughs> you know that's all I wear. <laughs> Excellent taste, like I said. The way this works is that James and I will do our amateurish best to give a basic account of the major events in these people's lives and how they responded to them. We also hope to give a fairly accurate depiction of their individual character, which is harder to do, but we're gonna try anyway. So, James, who do we have this week? We don't have two people. We have ah. one people. <laughs> Cleopatra the seventh. Wait, there were seven of them? <laughs> <laughs> there was more than that. Okay. They're, they're still going. They're in the hundreds right now. Oh, God. I don't know if that's, well, that's not true, but... <laughs> uh... Yeah, yeah uh, they had the uh, whole uh, royal number things going once again. <laughs> I d See, I didn't know that. I just thought that there was one Cleopatra, and that was it. Well, she's kind of the Cleopatra, but... So the six let others us, did Let nothing. us not forget the other six Cleopatras before her. So we have and one out of seven Cleopatras yeah. that are actually good at what they do, and then six who suck at being Cleopatra? Well, I don't know. Um, we'll, we'll cover the other six in some <laughs> We'll go backwards. We'll cover Cleopatra the sixth the next. And, okay. Um, yeah, just go back in time. Yeah, get more confused, more and more confused as we go along about which Cleopatra we're talking about. Yeah, sort of like the King Louis in France or whatever. I know it's a stupid number. Ten million yeah. of them. <laughs> well, shall we head down to the history lab? Um, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Was it the aliens? Was it Alex Jones? Was it my butt? You don't know, and neither do I, because James won't tell me anything. Again. So, Aaron. Yes. Before, before we begin, mm? uh, I, ha I have to take a moment to admit something. To, oh shit! Here we go. Both, to both you and the listeners, just a little, a little whoopsie on my end. <laughs> Did you steal Veggie Tales? <laughs> well, yeah, but that's not what this is about. So, as you know, on this show, we usually talk about two dead people, correct? Right, right, right. Uh, every once in a while, we only talk about one dead person on the show because yes. that, that dead person has had, had such an important life and there's blah, blah, blah. The, too much stuff. Right. So so this week 
it was it was your understanding that I would talk about the life of Cleopatra the seventh on the show, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, I've got some good news and some bad news. Which which uh, oh God. what what do you want to hear first, buddy? <laughs> bad news first. Okay. Well, the good news is that we're going to talk about Cleopatra. And she is one of the most influential, intriguing, and amazing figures of ancient history. And this episode is about her. So the content should just be great. That's the good oh. news. Yeah. Okay. The bad news is that this episode was written by me. <laughs> and as you know... I'm super lazy. <laughs> uh, oh but, no! But what's but what's worse is that this past week, when I was supposed to be writing this episode, not that we have a script, we don't have a script. Right. Uh, I I felt lazier than than normal. Um, super lazy, and I did I did not want to write this episode. Uh, oh. And nothing nothing against Cleopatra. Um, uh, it was it didn't matter who it was. I just didn't want to prepare this episode. You're breaking my heart, Jake. I, I know. Uh, thankfully, I came up with a plan. Because oh, even God. though I'm lazy, I always have a plan, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I thought, to, I thought to myself, hmm, what could I do to not do this work? <laughs> Why? By King Tut's neck brace, I have it. Why not have other people write it for me? What? 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 <laughs> so that's what fuck? I did. <laughs> I wrote. You paid somebody. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there, there's no money involved. Uh, not for that, at least. So, oh my god! I wrote part of this episode, part of it, and oh then my. I had other people finish it up for me. <laughs> so basically, it's so like plagiarism. <laughs> And who are these other people? Dude? Oh, you'll you'll find out, dude. There won't be any question about that later on. <laughs> Just, oh my we're god! All good. Yeah, we're you're fine. So, um, now uh, that that's all cleared up, you ready to dive into the content that I've definitely put a lot of time into writing? The sooner we get started, the sooner I can do something else. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's not revenge themed. <laughs> <laughs> It might be, you don't know. Hey, yeah, well, it's a good thing we live a couple miles apart. Yeah, just a couple. <laughs> just a couple, like all of America. So, uh, yeah. okay, well, so I, I had to get off my chest to you and the listeners. Mm. I, I am not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean... Are we? But we're actually talking about Cleopatra, right? Oh, oh like, yeah, yeah. Well, I, you're I not didn't... fucking with me on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are talking about Cleopatra. The the seventh the seventh Cleopatra is who we are talking about. Oh, uh, but okay. we we the, the term we is very plural. It's not just <laughs> you and me, buddy. It's a whole whole legion. We are legion. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. I, I, okay. Well. Uh... You don't know what that I means. Guess, oh. I, I guess I'll get the computer to bring up Cleopatra. <laughs> we can just hope this shit isn't horrible. No, it's it's great. Okay. I mean, right. it's better than if I wrote the whole thing. You know that for <laughs> I sure. I guess that's true. <laughs> computer, please bring up Cleopatra the seventh. Yes? Yes! Affirmative, my lord. You're a wild man. <laughs> okay, okay, James. Mm-hmm. 
So tell me. <laughs> what is Cleopatra the Seventh best known for? Okay, so Cleopatra the Seventh is best known for being Cleopatra the Seventh. Like seriously, who doesn't this know? This is the part who she you wrote, is? isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yep, wrote that part. <laughs> Made it myself. Aren't you proud? <laughs> Got up my typewriter and typed out that beauty. <laughs> Beautiful <laughs> sentence. Best known for being Cleopatra the Seventh. Okay. Re redundancy is one of my strong suits. Okay. Don't hold that uh. against me. Yeah. So okay. I wrote that. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. All right. And what did Cleopatra the Seventh look like? Now, <laughs> for her physical description, I did not write one because <laughs> I didn't want to write it. <laughs> so, I uh, I went went over to to one of my good friends, and uh, I sent her a message. And is our good friend Becca? And I oh, said, Oh, Becca, I don't I don't want to write this. Can you do it for me? And she said, Sure. So Becca from the Retold podcast, a history podcast, sort of, and one of our good friends, she wrote the physical description for me. So James, here's mm. the thing. Okay. I know you didn't write anything, as you have admitted to me, uh, admitted your shame and guilt to me. Yeah. So I would like you to uh, just take your best shot and describe Cleopatra without knowing anything. And then we'll just see how it stacks up with a real description from Becca of the Retold podcast. Uh. Go! Okay, go. so Cleopatra the Seventh looked, um. Well, she <laughs> she didn't have a nose. No nose. Oh, okay. Because the, the no Sphinx nose. is of, of her. <laughs> it's this. Is, she had a she was a pyramid too. <laughs> Shit. I don't know. Is that all you know about Egypt? Is the Sphinx and the pyramids? It's like yeah, France that's with a, the baguettes. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't there a Yeah. Yeah. Hi Aaron, hi James. Becca here from Retold, a history podcast. Kinda. What a great name. It so, is. Cleopatra and her looks. What did this woman of mystery look like? Well, from what we know, based on images made of Cleopatra during her lifetime, she had a long hook nose, a broad high forehead, and a kind of smallish, kind of pointyish chin. She had the family look. This isn't super surprising, given that the Ptolemaic line had a very long Is history of real word? sisters and brothers, kind of like Jamie and Cersei in Game of Thrones. Most scholars agree that she most likely would have had kind of an olive-toned skin and darkish eyes. Her hair color is way more open to interpretation because oh no. both hair dye and wigs were super-duper popular at the time. Most likely, if she'd worn a wig, it would have been black, and if she had used hair dye, henna was the most popular, so it would have been kind of reddish. Yeah. Like most women of her time, Cleopatra would have offset any natural looks she had with cosmetics, such as lipstick, blush, moisturizer, mascara, and eyeliner. Hell yeah! <laughs> Some of these may have had health and religious benefits. Um, oh. You can look at Egyptian uh, art and sculptures and see that even their pictures wear makeup. 
so it made them closer to their gods. She probably smelled fantastic. At the time, Egypt was known for their skill as perfumers. So, regardless, at least she smelled nice. However, (laughs) even if she did smell like roses and totally nailed her eyes on her wings, the thing that made Cleopatra so incredibly captivating would have been her charm. Politicians of the day specifically praised her for her personal charm, warmth, and beautiful. I get that all the time. (laughs) Strangely, the Egyptian peasants may have actually known more about what Cleopatra looked like than we do today. She was the first pharaoh to put her picture on even low denomination currency, specifically so that every Egyptian would know her face on sight. I've included some reference pictures just in case you need a little extra help, but I really hope that helped you guys out. Thanks. Bye-bye. Well, shit. Thanks, Becca. Yeah, that, that was way better than what I could ever I was going to say, that was on point. Yeah, that was... Wow. Wow, we are fucking nothing. <laughs> yeah, wow. She talked about what she smelled like. I, we've like, never shit. talked about smells on this show. <laughs> Never. Not one. <sighs> not one smell. No, never. Well, not a. Well. All right. <laughs> well, that was Becca from the Retold uh, podcast, a history podcast, kind of. One of our good friends. Uh, yeah, thanks for that, Becca, making us look bad. She's <laughs> trying to take our jobs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, well. Who's next? All right, I know somebody else wrote this freaking episode, so. Well, I didn't. They didn't write all of it. Okay. Oh, okay. I so had, you're lying I, to me again. <laughs> <laughs> we have a relationship built on lies. I thought you knew the. <laughs> so with that established, what do you say we uh we move into Cleo Cleo Patty's early life? Cleo Patty's early life. I am so ready. Okay, and it's, uh, we didn't. I didn't. Uh, I didn't break this. Can down you hear? Wait, early. wait, 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 wait. Can you hear Sad Dog? Nobody can ever hear Sad Dog. I can't hear Sad Dog. (laughs) I don't know if Sad Dog exists. It's a ghost dog. Yeah. Definitely. You're hearing things. All right, sorry, I'm derailing you. No, you're fine. So, I I didn't break down this section. I I merged her early life, adult life, and end in death all together in this glorious bubble of insanity. You ready? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know what that means. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah, last week you covered Sandino. That was yeah, work for Sandino. <laughs> How many times can we say his name? Okay, so Sandino. <laughs> we're we're gonna start talking about Cleopatra's life by not talking about her life at all. All right, that's a her usual <laughs> classic. Yeah. <laughs> so we got to talk about the context just a bit. All right. Bit. So you've got this guy. You may have heard of him. He's got a great name. <laughs> Alexander the Great. Who the fuck is that? I don't know. Some doofus. So little little Alex decides for himself that he's gonna conquer pretty much everywhere, and he does. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> kind of, kind of. Anyway, uh, but along his journeys and battles and complicated lover sequences, Alexander eventually made it to Egypt, where he took over the land of the Nile, founded the city of Alexandria, and was declared the son of a god. Just. Like Typ- you do. <laughs> Typical tourist stuff, yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I am a god. <laughs> <laughs> and that'll be eight bucks. Thanks. Take a picture with the pyramids. <laughs> 
Anyways, for the most part, Egyptians, they, they liked Alexander the Great, and they, they kind of, you know, dealt with the Macedonian Greek influence that came with him. They largely saw him as a liberator, except for that dude in Gaza who stabby-stabbed Alexander in the shoulder. What? what? <laughs> but screw that guy, everybody else likes Alexander the Great. <laughs> One guy in Gaza with a knife. <laughs> I don't like you, poke. Mm, pretty much, yeah. Alex is and, like, and I'm a god. Gods don't bleed. What the <laughs> fuck? Haven't you seen El Dorado? <laughs> I, I haven't. I only watched the first half. What? Oh. Yeah, I know. I know. So, okay. So then our boy Alexander goes on conquering again, and everything goes well for him until he dies okay. in the year 323 BCE. And before Alexander's body was cold, his followers began fighting for the remnants of his empire. Classic. Yeah. And one of these bros, a guy by the name of Ptolemy Soter, Soter, Soterodactyl, he was a good companion, companion, wow, companion, companion. That is not a word. Companion. Ptolemy is a good companion of Alexander. <laughs> so he goes and he grabs a big piece of the pie, uh, like all of Egypt. Right. And, oh, shit. And Cilicia, wherever the fuck that is, and parts of the <laughs> Levant and northern Libya, but mainly Egypt. Like, Egypt is his home base, okay? Now that place is kind of the place that really, really counts. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. So, so Ptolemy, he takes control and he starts what is known as the Ptolemaic Dynasty of Egypt. Why is this important at all? Well, it turns uh, out that if I Cleop- had to guess. Oh, okay. oh yeah. Go ahead. Go <laughs> You're ahead. You're gonna guess. tell me. I don't even get to guess. Uh, oh, no, you can guess. Now that I kind of gave it away, but you can guess. Ah, uh, no. I forgot what I was gonna guess. You just go. Okay. Well, <laughs> Cleopatra, our gal, the person we are talking about uh, with others in this episode, she is born into the royal line of the Ptolemaic dynasty. Okay. So. And about about what time period is this? I want to say 1776, but um, I don't know. Alexander died in 323 BC or BCE, if you're godless oh, heathen. That, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's when the Ptolemaic, a little bit after there, that's when the Ptolemaic line of Egypt began. Now, Cleopatra wouldn't be born for a, f- a few hundred years, but we're, we're getting there. I'm laying the groundwork before I knock the dominoes over, okay? Wow. Okay, that's fine. Yep. Okay. So, um, lost my place in this (laughs) script that we don't have. Okay, yeah, here we go. Here we go. So, now we could continue to talk about the struggles of the successor kingdoms, as they were called, and the interesting politics and wars that go on with this. Or, we could skip ahead a few couple hundred years until (laughs) our gal Cleopatra is born. So, yes, so let's, uh, let's, I, I, I vote that. <laughs> let's do let's, that. Let's skip ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, we should prob- probably disclaimer. Um, uh, oh. We we do not go too in-depth into people's lives on this show. We, this oh, is like yeah. a, an introduction, right? Th- I mean, this is like the stupid man's version of history. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Just a very, very brief synopsis. We leave important yes. things out. We mispronounce everything. It's... It's a disaster. So, now that that's out of the way, people can't get mad at us. So, Cleopatra is born in the year 69 BCE to the pharaoh of Egypt, Ptolemy XII. 
Wow, twelve of them. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, here we are again. That's Lack a of lot of tallies. <laughs> With the whole name game. Yeah, but at least they know they understand how numbers work. Yeah. At so least that. very advanced. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, so being the daughter of, of the pharaoh, Cleo had a pretty nice upbringing. One Ptolemy. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> yep. Two Ptolemy. Ah, ah, ah. That's not funny? Okay, it's not funny. Well, <laughs> we, we, it is funny, but we made the joke with the, the kings of France. But... Oh, shit. Oh, shit. We're joke thieves. Being the daughter of the pharaoh, Cleo had a pretty nice upbringing. Uh, per, per the time. <laughs> <laughs> They're, they're all still going to die before they're 18, okay? This is right. like a million years ago. So she was educated in basically all things Greek and Egyptian, uh, including mm. oration, philosophy, history, art, religion, all that great stuff. Those are good things. Yeah. yeah. She probably almost certainly studied at the Library of Alexandria, which is which is probably the hottest thing about her. <laughs> Do you get that? <laughs> Uh, that was a that was a yeah, burning of the library fire. of Alexandria joke. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you got it. <laughs> she was a book girl. Got yeah, it. Yeah, you, you didn't laugh at it too hard, so I didn't think you got it. But no, so, I got it. It oh, was just dumb. <laughs> well, you don't understand it. It's it's really it's on multiple levels. It's I'll, I'll explain later. Very so, sophisticated humor on this show. Exactly. So we're gonna pause with Cleopatra real quick and uh, head head west. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So just a little bit west. Uh. Over over to the boot. That little boot sticking out into the Mediterranean. Italy! Oh, uh, Germany. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, they're, they're basically the same thing. So, yeah. over to the Roman Republic. And the Roman Republic was doing... Uh, it was busy doing what most republics eventually end up doing. Any, any guesses? Oh, uh... Mm, republics... Uh... They were just going all Republican all over the place. I don't know. <laughs> uh, similar enough. Finding excuses to invade foreign lands. <laughs> okay, see, I was going to make that joke, but that was like low-hanging fruit. <laughs> oh, I just snapped that apple right up. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So, by, by now, oh, the Roman situation... And mm -hmm. I, I'm not going to call them an empire because they're not an empire yet. No, we're still a republic. Don't worry, don't worry. Uh, so the Roman situation is growing all over the place. And the Roman boundaries are slowly getting closer and closer to Egypt. Uh-oh! So, yeah, yeah. So there's this one Roman senator who proposes to the Senate that, that hey... You know what? We should annex all of Egypt. <laughs> what a great idea. <laughs> and the Senate says no, which is of course. kind of surprising. Yeah. Nevertheless, this kind of scared Ptolemy the, the Twelfth over in Egypt, right? Because yeah. the, the Senate shot it down, but just the fact that it was proposed is kind of a little <laughs> too much. Yeah. 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 So... Instead of bolstering his defenses or trying to improve diplomatic ties with Rome, Ptolemy does the only logical thing and starts giving gifts and bribing important Romans to like him. Oh yeah, that's like, you gotta do that shit. You gotta yeah, snooze. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> and to he... save Egypt. <laughs> yeah. and, and get this, he does this He's so like much. standing outside of a grocery store with a tin can, shaking it full of coins. 
Penny for Egypt, please. Penny for Egypt. <laughs> no, you're, you're right on track because he, he sends so much money and bribes to these Roman dudes that he goes bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I mean, he, now he's, he's not really stop standing there. outside the grocery store <laughs> with a tin can. Yeah, but he's leaving that grocery store because now he starts taking out loans from oh. Roman bankers. <laughs> what? So, so tell me the talk. He's he, <laughs> yeah, interesting plan you got there. It's great strategy. Yeah, he's trying to bribe Rome by using money he's lo he's taken out a loan from from Rome. It's if I were a betting man, I would say he was a precursor to American politics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, thankfully, though, it actually works out, and things, things go well for him. Wow, okay. That's a lie. <laughs> they, uh, <what? laughs> they don't go well. Uh, not at all. So, oh, Ro <laughs> Rome soon declares that it has annexed the island and also the Egyptian territory of Cyprus because of, of pirates, right? Oh, just, right. Uh, pirates, pirates are there. So now, now your whole island is, is ours. Uh, don't yeah. worry, we're, we're just a republic. Yeah, Makes perfect sense. <laughs> uh, what's worse is Ptolemy the Twelfth's brother is actually on this island. Oh, no. And, oh, and this, no. this brother kills himself because he lost the island. Um, oh. So... Kind of Shit. a family, yeah, <laughs> bummer. Um, That's kind of sucky. <laughs> so, so now that he's lost the island to Rome and his brother killed himself, Ptolemy the Twelfth doesn't do anything. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's he's kind of realizing that Rome wasn't satisfied with his gifts and is now kind of taking advantage of him. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't. I don't know who could see that coming, but he didn't. Uh, yeah. Now, I didn't see it coming, no. <laughs> the Romans yeah. are, the Romans are like, hey, now you're, like, literally giving us our own money. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're right. Yeah. It, it's a bad situation. And yeah. it gets worse. <laughs> because Ptolemy's people aren't really happy with him. Surprise. Surprise. No shit. So they kick him the hell out of Egypt. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you, gotta, you gotta. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> So he's uh, he's out of his his own kingdom, and by the way, his daughter Cleopatra, our girl, is probably eleven at point at, at this point, and she's with him. So they're oh, okay. they're out of out of Egypt, and where do they flee to? To Rome? Roman land. <laughs> <laughs> so Who could the have Roman seen this, yeah. <laughs> so the Romans just graciously take in this guy who is. A, indebted to them, and B, is also kind of the rightful ruler of Egypt. Not right. Who knows where this is going? Ah! <laughs> yeah. So meanwhile in Egypt, I'm going to skip over a ton of politics, so, so forgive me for that, and I'm just going to skip a ton of people who take power and end with the, the person who ends up taking control of Egypt. And it is Ptolemy the Twelfth's uh, oldest daughter. I think oldest daughter. It's a different daughter. It's not Cleopatra. It's a different daughter. Right. <clears throat> and her name is Berenice the Fourth, or Berenice, or a nice bear. I don't. I don't. Berenstein. Berenstain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Exactly. We'll we'll call her Betsy. Betsy okay. the Okay. <laughs> it starts with a B and goes to an E. It works. It's the same name. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't hear any difference. <laughs> 
We have to anglicize the words. It's just, it's a public service, okay? <laughs> we're a, but hey, we're a republic, not an empire, okay? Jesus. So, right. so Bet- <laughs> Betsy the Fourth of Egypt, she takes control, and she doesn't really want to give her throne back to Dad because she has it now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but Ptolemy the Twelfth, he wants it back. Right. So, with the backing of Roman banks, influential Roman leaders, most notably this guy named Pompey, who will later come up again, and also a large Roman army, Ptolemy XII, he goes back to Egypt to reclaim his throne from his daughter. (laughs) Family issues. Yeah, it's it's a great family, and we're only getting started on their family issues. This should totally be like a sitcom. (laughs) Like, busts into the living room with his army and what are you doing here? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, And you don't even know where this family, this family fiasco is going. It it goes, well, it goes to some great places. That's so Uh, fantastic. (laughs) All right. Can you mark this real quick? Yeah. Uh, I want to put in, like, applause and... uh, Oh, good idea. Yeah. (laughs) Please note it for applause. Applause. Yep. Applause and we So Ptolemy's marching back to Egypt with a Roman army, with Roman money, and he's with his daughter Cleopatra, who's like 14 at this age. And okay. he's going back to Egypt to reclaim his throne from his daughter, which is kind of embarrassing, but, you know, family <laughs> is family. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so th- I know my dad had to recl- reclaim his throne a couple of times. Oh, for sure, yeah. My dad is from still his daughter, though, to- no. Yeah, <laughs> it's... It's a tale as old as time. Is there a power struggle going on in your house, James? You don't even want to know. All yeah. right. So there's this whole little invasion thing, which I'm not going to tell you about. But basically, Ptolemy Twelfth, he wins back his throne. Uh, and then, in true Ptolemy Twelfth fashion, he does a whole bunch of lovely things. Oh, First of all, okay. he executes his daughter, Berenice oh, God, or Betsy, for opposing him. He executes mm. all of her supporters. He takes all of their things because they're dead. And then he <laughs> hires he hires a bunch of corrupt Roman officials to help take care of Egypt's finances. This is not a good call. No. <laughs> this guy does not have a good track record at all. <laughs> no, no. Uh, but he is a good lute player or flute player. Oh, really? <laughs> One of the two. I, well, I don't remember. You'll, you'll learn about that later. But... So, surprise, surprise, these corrupt Roman officials just start looting Egyptian coffers. Of course. <laughs> yeah, and it, not only that, but there's the, there's these bunch of Germanic Roman soldiers, and he's just letting them have at it at his own people. So uh. you've got these German Roman soldiers just running around pillaging and murdering and beating people up in the streets. So... <laughs> You've got this, you've got Egypt, ruled by a family that can't even function as a family. You've got soldiers <laughs> running wild through the streets, killing and harassing people, and Roman financial advisors stealing from the Egyptian treasury. It's this great is just stuff. little Caesars. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they get the $5 hot and ready pizzas. That's the only way they can do it's it. It's the origin story, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> So then Ptolemy the Twelfth dies. Yeah, Good. sometime around 51 <laughs> BCE. Yeah, not not sad, not too sad. I saw him go. Oh. 
And in his will, he left the ruling of Egypt to go to both his daughter, our girl, Cleopatra, uh, and and his, also his his son, who you guessed it is named Ptolemy the Thirteenth. <laughs> Oh so Cleopatra God. and her brother, they take the throne in 51 BCE. And there, there are quite of a few problems that they have uh, to deal with, like, right now. <laughs> yeah, see, I, here's the thing. I, mm -hmm. uh, the other thing about this is, I, this family is dysfunctional as it is, right? Just a bit, yeah. And the dad was like, you know, I fucked up a lot while I was, <laughs> while I was the king of Egypt, mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. There was a time when I literally had to go to Roman lands in order to survive. <laughs> I went no. to war with my own fucking daughter and executed her. You yeah. know, I don't know if I'm quite done fucking with Egypt's <laughs> power structure. So when I die, <laughs> I'm yeah. gonna literally put two rulers <laughs> in the place. Of one, uh -huh. because that's the only way I can continue my legacy of being a total fuckwit. <laughs> and they're siblings. They're, they're going to be siblings, too, because, I right. mean, the family has a good track record. Let's just keep this ball rolling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and there's just more stuff going on, too. So the Nile is flooding. You've got now unemployed Germanic Roman soldiers running around looting and shit. Egypt <laughs> owes Rome like 17 and a half million drachmas. And uh, that's a lot, I guess. <laughs> it's a lot. I don't know what a drachma is. She, so Cleopatra, she can't really rule alongside her brother uh, because they don't... Well, she wants to rule, but the problem is she's a woman, so she, it's going to be hard to take control by herself um, right so there's yeah. this whole there's this whole issue here and i really i really really should take a moment here to talk a bit about women who ruled in egypt uh before cleopatra and kind of just how where um like like how how was it? i can't talk right now you're gonna, trying to say something and i'm gonna <laughs> mark this i don't know i'm marking for stupidity <laughs> So I, I should talk about women in Egypt and what roles they played in leadership, if any, and, and what that kind of looked like. I should talk about that. Yes. Or <laughs> I could have somebody else. My oh. friend from the History of Ancient Egypt podcast do it for me. Oh. So, yeah. Why, why don't oh. we just let him do it? Well, what's He'll do a better name? job. Do you, know, do you know his actual name, or is he just the history no, podcast? No, I do know his name. What is it? I want to say Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I could have my good friend Dominic from the History of Ancient Egypt podcast do it for me. Uh -huh. And he, he'll, he'll definitely do a good, good better job. A, a gooder job. because Undoubtedly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Cleopatra. Is there any name more synonymous with ancient Egypt? Maybe Tutankhamun, but even he has only been famous since 1922 with the discovery of his tomb. Cleopatra, technically Cleopatra VII, has been a legend since the days of Shakespeare and the age of Roman imperialism. Roman writers were fascinated by this figure, a symbol for all that was un-Roman, foreign and threatening. Reviled, reviewed, and now revisited, Cleopatra VII is a complex figure, 
Whether you see her as the end of one story, the beginning of another, or simply as a romantic figure, Cleopatra has left a story for the ages. Cleopatra VII ruled as a pharaoh under the names Weret Nebet Neferu Aket Sech, the Great Lady, beautiful many times, one who is excellent in council, and Cleopatra Necheret Meret Ites, Cleopatra, the goddess who is beloved of her father. She used names like these for political reasons, to emphasize her physical beauty, which in some parts of Greek society was treated as a reflection of good character. She also wanted to reflect her intelligence and mental capability within a patriarchal society, and to connect her rule with that of her father, a man we know as Ptolemy XII Auletes, Ptolemy the flute player, because he loved to perform the flute during rituals for Dionysus. Before he died, Ptolemy XII had decreed that his daughter and his son should rule together as partners. Unfortunately, politics got in the way, and it wasn't long before Cleopatra was seeking the throne for herself with no contenders. She would go to great lengths to secure that power. As you know, the story did not end happily for anyone. If someone mentions ancient Egypt to you, chances are you think of a person like Cleopatra. But by the time she came to power, the kingdom of Egypt was already 3,000 years old. She inherited a legacy stretching back 120 generations at least, and she is not the first woman to hold power over the Nile Valley. If Cleopatra were to go back in time, say about 1400 years, she would have met a formidable woman sitting on the throne, Ma'at Ka Re Hatshepsut, or Ma'at is the spirit of Re, the foremost of noble ladies. Hatshepsut ruled Egypt as pharaoh, and she did it with great skill. Whether it was the organization of immense building projects, the gathering of vast trade fleets to sail the Red Sea, or creating a whole new mythology around the conception and birth of Egyptian monarchs, Hatshepsut governed Egypt for longer and with more effective results than the famous Cleopatra. Or perhaps Cleopatra could travel back 1600 years to see an Egyptian warrior queen in action. Ahhotep, or the moon is pleased, was a great royal wife and a mother of kings. She helped guide Egyptians in the darkest years of a brutal national war. Battling foreign invaders and rebellious communities up and down the Nile, Ahhotep and her sons rallied Egyptian soldiers and shattered enemy power. For her courage and leadership, Ahhotep was buried with a military honor, a necklace of golden flies given only to the most skilled warriors. She was, by one account, quote, one who has completed the rituals and taken care of Egypt, who has looked after her soldiers, has guarded her, and has expelled her rebels. Ahhotep was a formidable lady and a towering figure in her day. Or perhaps Cleopatra could have gone even further back, 2,000 years back, to a time when pyramids rose and famous kings like Khufu and Khafre ruled the land. Back then, time-traveling Cleopatra could have met the supreme matriarch, Kenti Kaos. Her cars are foremost. Kenti Kaos guided the state when her son was too young to rule on his own. Under her authority, Egypt entered a new age of architectural, cultural, and economic development. Kenti Kaos was a supreme woman. 
Cleopatra could look to many figures, both within her own dynasty and in the countless annals of Egyptian royalty. Whether she did, and how effectively she achieved her goals, is the sort of story that the History of Egypt podcast seeks to tell. One day, I will reach this enigmatic but fascinating figure, and tell her tale with the full range of Egyptological and academic scholarship. For now, I leave her in the hands of your hosts. Enjoy! James, will you tell me something about this History of Ancient Egypt podcast? Now? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I will, right now. Yep, just had to take a, a moment of silence. So, okay. for those of you who don't know, the History of Egypt podcast is a narrative history of ancient Egypt. From the first gods who created the universe, the fin- first kings who ruled the Nile Valley, all the way to Cleopatra and the coming of Rome, where we are right oh. now. Across 3,000 plus years of history, the show explores pyramids, wars, myths, and legends, great rulers, and humble farmers. Whether it's the dust and labor of building a great monument, the smoke and incense of a huge temple, or a quiet romance shared between two lovers, the History of Egypt podcast explores ancient life, history, and achievement, all in great detail. It is written and presented by a trained Egyptologist based on archaeology and deep historical research. And to top it off, the music and storytelling will transport you back to the land of the Nile thousands of years ago. (laughs) You're reading about them like they're our sponsor. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Okay, so shall we He paid me 17 and a half million drachmas. (laughs) Yeah, so if you want to know more about Egyptian history, check him out excellent show will cool. actually teach you oh yeah you, you will learn things from that show <laughs> yeah so cleomad Cleop- cleomatra cleomatra <laughs> i don't even know who- oh my god okay so Cleop- <laughs> cleopatra pretty much kicks out her brother right away okay who might have also been her husband uh, uh, <laughs> huh <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of skipped over that. But there's there's kind of this long Egyptian tradition where you marry your royal siblings so you can keep the, the dynasty clean. Yikes. Ugh. Okay. Uh. <laughs> Take that as you will. So she kind of kicks out her head. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and by the summer of 51 BCE, Cleo is pretty much seen as... She's kind of the ruler of Egypt. Um, right. Pretty much. Yeah. But this pisses off her brother, Ptolemy the 13th, of course. Her who, husband? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, her co-ruler husband brother, who now wants the throne back for him. Because, hey, like, daddy said it was for both of us. Yeah. <laughs> so he like starts yanking on the pyramids. Mine! <laughs> yeah, yeah, back exactly. And forth. <laughs> yeah. So Ptolemy the 13th, he starts gathering support elsewhere, and this nice little civil war breaks out between Cleopatra and her brother. Whoopee. <laughs> but that's not the only civil war going on. Oh, no! <laughs> Meanwhile, Rome is going through this little thing called the Roman Civil War. Oh, my God. Yeah, because this bozo you may have heard of named Julius Caesar <laughs> not really Caesar <laughs> yet but nobody Ju- <laughs> Julius yeah who the, yeah 
he's fighting the, these other big guys of Rome, and uh, th this bigger one by the name of Pompey. So they're fighting against each other, trying to take control of the Roman Republic. It's still a republic! And, uh, yeah. So that's well, that's on. all going on, and meanwhile, yeah, all sorts uh, of civil wars. Ubisoft arrives in a time machine to create Assassin's Creed Origins. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And change the history! Oh, sorry. <laughs> no? What? Uh, never mind. What? I don't know. Have I never talked to you about this? No, you have talked to me at length about this, good okay. sir. On the show, I'll have you know. Oh, I, I guess I forgot. It was on one of the fake shows. <laughs> I have episodes. amnesia. <laughs> well, that's true. So Julius and Pompey are fighting against each other, and then Pompey sends word to Egypt asking for their support in the Roman Civil War. Okay. Even though Egypt is going through a civil war. But to make matters more complicated, both sides of the Egyptian civil war, Cleopatra and her brother Ptolemy Thirteenth, they both agree to help Pompey in his fight against Julius Caesar. So, I, I don't okay. know what's going on. <laughs> but they're like, yeah, sure. Politics. We'll, we'll, we'll send you help. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Now, hold on. What? Okay, wait. Okay, um, I'm gonna need to interrupt myself, because- Again? <laughs> yeah, I've Get this, I've actually got a team on the Nile right now, and it looks like what they've the got some ex something exciting. So le let's just transfer to my guys in the field, okay? Alright, yes, so we have just received confirmation that the Queen of the Nile, Cleopatra, is about to arrive, and I, for one, Cannot wait to see what she has done with her hair this season. Actually, I'm more looking forward to hearing that mellifluous voice. You know, I hear she's quite eloquent, very well read, and when she speaks, you know, they say it just charms a toga right off of you. Yes, I could not agree more. There, I think, I think I see something. Yes, I believe that is her barge. It's docking. It's it's docking. It's taking a long time to dock. It's a barge. Okay, it's docked. There's a figure emerging. I believe it is. Yes. There she is, ladies That's and gentlemen, her, right. the Queen of the Nile, Cleopatra the Seventh. Oh my God, she is just like in the coins, that long hooked nose, the short neck, the small chin, and oh my God, her hair. Ladies and gentlemen, I can't believe it, it is the melon hairstyle again, classic Cleopatra. So You know, classic. you really cannot go wrong with the melon hairstyle. You've got the hair in braids pulled back over the head, just like the stripes on a melon, tied off in a bun at the back. So practical. It's really a smart way to go. Wait, she's, she's speaking. She's saying something. I can't, I can't make it out. Can, can you, can you understand what she's, what language is that? That's not Latin. Is that Greek? Is it Egyptian? Why is she speaking? Like well, she does speak nine different languages. Nine fucking languages? It could be anything. Is that Hebrew? Is that Persian? Tell me it's Persian. What language is that? Is that Ethiopian? Is it Arabic? Does anyone here speak Parthian? Damn it. What language is that? Wait, she, where's she going? No, 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 no. Oh, okay, yeah, great. She's gone. She's gone. Damn it. Did anyone get... Did you get that? Did anyone get that? What language was that? Wait, what? What? What language was that? Oh, it was troglodyte. It was, it was what? Troglodyte? Troglodyte? Yep. What the fuck is troglodyte? It's uh, most likely a Berber language from Libya. Well, do you know what she said? No, I don't speak troglodyte. Oh, Alright, that's it. We're done here. Okay, 
Shut it down, everybody. We're done here. Everybody go home. Fuck me. Is it too much to ask for one lousy intern who speaks troglodyte? Yes. So that was B.T. Newberg. And he hosts the Dead Ideas podcast, the podcast of extinct thoughts and practices covering ideas once believed to be true, but no longer. Interesting. It is. It is a great show. Uh, he is also currently developing a new show that is called, and I love this, The History of Sex, covering <laughs> okay. gender, sex, and quirk across world cultures. So, so look out for that. Should be all right, James. Hold, hold up. Hold up. All right. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm getting kind of lost. All right. Can you give us a 30-second summary of everything we just covered so we can all be on the same page? Uh, I mean... Yes, of course. Okay. Of course. So Ptolemy Twelfth, he rules Egypt. He has to fight against his own daughter who takes the throne, but he eventually takes Egypt back. Right? Right. 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 Ptolemy right. XII. Okay. Yeah. So he yes. takes back Egypt. Now, what Ptolemy Twelfth had done is he kind of got Rome interested in Egypt's affairs. Remember? Because he borrowed right. money yes. from them. Then he started bribing mm. them and everything. Yeah. So then he dies... And he'll, he leaves his empire, or his kingdom, to his daughter, Cleopatra, our girl, and his son, Ptolemy the Thirteenth, Right. Who are siblings, also married. Uh, great stuff. <laughs> so Cleopatra wants to rule by herself, because uh, she, well, she wants to be the only ruler of Egypt. So she kind of, kind of leaves her brother behind, doing all the logistics and leadership things, right? right? Okay. Ptolemy okay. the Thirteenth doesn't like this, so they oh. kind of start fighting, a, kind of a sibling feud, except they both have armies. Right. Uh, well, who could have which, foreseen this? I mean, <laughs> right? Of course, <laughs> they're a beautiful family, beautiful American family, no problems. <laughs> so you've you've got that so far, right? Right. So meanwhile, in Rome, Rome is going through its own civil war. There's a bunch of different players, and it's super complicated, but two of the big guys are Julius Caesar, although that's not really his name yet, but it's Julius Caesar, right. who we all know. It's the same all, guy. All know. Yeah. And Pompey. So they're fighting each other for kind of, kind of who's going to be the big guy over on the Roman scene? They're still a republic, but right. who's going to be the main republic guy? So okay. Pom Pompey and Julius Caesar are fighting. Pompey goes to Egypt for support. And both sides of the Egyptian civil war start supporting Pompey, Cleopatra, oh. and her brother, which gotcha. is confusing because they're fighting a war against each other. But this also is all stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> History is stupid. So meanwhile, in Egypt, Cleopatra's own little civil war against her brother, it does not go well. Okay, Not well for her or not well for him? Well, I mean, not well for anybody, really, because it's a war, but not uh, specifically not well for her. <laughs> okay, okay. She's she's beaten back, and she's forced to flee to Syria, where she immediately goes around gathering a new army and support for an invasion to take back Egypt for herself, just like her father had done from her sister. This is a crazy. this is a family thing. This is a this is like a. This happens all the time. Like, it does. I'm going to go yeah. get a foreign army and come back and invade. <laughs> like, and I'm going to kill some people. <laughs> it'd be really funny if thousands of people weren't dying because of it. What, that makes it funnier, James. <laughs> come on. That's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
So, now, we're gonna skip back to the Roman Civil War. And in the Roman Civil War, Julius beats Pompey's army at the very important Battle of Pharsalus. And... <laughs> what? You think I made that up? It's just a, no, it's just a funny name, Pharsalus. No? It's not funny? Fair, fair Salus. Far fair salad. Uh, it's, a far it's a fair salad. salad. <laughs> uh, a fair fight and a fair salad. It, it's a very important battle. It is okay. so important that I will not describe it anymore. Okay, perfect. So, <laughs> Pompey flees from Julius, and he decides eventually to flee to Egypt. Because remember, okay. You know, they're all, just doing the whole circuit. They're like, back to Rome, back to <laughs> Egypt. Now I'm going here. Now they're there. Uh, oh, what? Look at me. I'm in Syria. I better gather an army. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, right. that's great. Okay. So he's in Egypt, and Ptolemy Thirteenth. Cleopatra's brother slash husband, remember him? <laughs> yeah. He's kind of in control, and he's getting a little worried that he picked the wrong side of the Roman Civil War. <laughs> but he invites Pompey to Egypt. Okay. And he uh, he warmly welcomes Pompey, and then he stabs Pompey to death. <laughs> <laughs> That's a warm welcome. <laughs> Well, you know, there was probably some tea and crackers before the whole stabby stab. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then he cuts off Pompey's head, uh, embalms uh. it, and uh. sends it to Julius Caesar as a gift. Uh, so, uh. <laughs> different so Julius... times, different rules. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we've all done it before, okay? It's oh, just yeah. Because it's I just Pompey's did it last head, Christmas. But, okay, yeah, I, I know it. You got. I, I was the one who got it. So, <laughs> it's Christmas Day, and Julius opens this little present, and he's kind of outraged by it, because even though Pompey was his enemy, he had formerly been his friend, and they kind of respected each other. And there's a whole lot of details there that I'm not going to tell you, because I don't really, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> okay. So, so, Julius Caesar goes straight to Egypt with a small army, and commands that Cleopatra and Ptolemy Thirteenth just stop their fighting and work things out with each other. Your brother and sister, husband and wife, for God's sake. <laughs> you have two sacred bonds. <laughs> yeah. This kind of yeah. reminds me of the uh, American interventionism in Nicaragua that we talked about on the Sandino episode. Aha! Uh -huh. Yeah, it, it, it kind of is similar. It's Sounds a little like that. Infighting again, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so he tells them to stop fighting, and neither of them want to stop fighting. <laughs> okay. Ptolemy, he immediately assembles his army to defy Julius Caesar, while Cleopatra, she decides to go straight to Caesar himself, because she hears that Caesar likes to kind of have affairs with the royal women. Oh, oh shit. Yeah, uh... so she goes straight to him. She may have been smuggled in a sack to get to him, because remember, <laughs> Ptolemy's forces are everywhere. Right. She may have been rolled up in a carpet and delivered via carpet. Oh, um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but probably not. Those are probably just kind of... I don't want to spoil anything, but I'm kind of working on a new ride-sharing service where two guys with a carpet come and roll you up and just carry you where you want to go. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, don't even drive you there. They just it? walk you there rolled up in a carpet. <laughs> I like that. So, do you have a do you have a name? Uh, the Carpetbackers. <laughs> oh uh, man, I was just thinking roll. <laughs> roll. <laughs> yeah, that, it's like a new Uber. I can see this working. 
patent pending. <laughs> so okay. I, I don't know if it was via sack or carpet. She kind of just arrived there. Um, right. And okay. she, she and Caesar just really start hitting it off. Oh, and really? It's, <laughs> it's not long before. Yep. They just start banging. And uh, okay. <laughs> it's not long after, after that, that eventually Cleopatra, she becomes pregnant with Julius Caesar's baby. Oh God. Or was it his baby? <laughs> so instead I mean, of... it's not like I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That was unfair of me. But <laughs> instead of trying to figure this out for myself, uh, I decided to ask my friend over at the War and Conquest podcast to figure it out for me. You lazy fuck. <laughs> I know, right? So, I mean, I'm... It's... It's it's plagiarism. That's that's really <laughs> what it is. I'm getting other people to do my work for me. Ah, well, you know, I uh, <laughs> I thought for a long time that uh, never mind, never mind. Uh, <laughs> so well, he's going to so Warren Warren <laughs> so Warren Conquest is going to mm-hmm. explain whose baby this is. Yeah, yeah. It's not not very military themed, but but oh, well, okay. You'll, you'll see. He's got the babies of war. (laughs) Hello, everybody. Neil Eckert here from the War and Conquest podcast. And today, I'm going to relate to you a little-known event about the life of Cleopatra. See, when Caesar came into Alexandria, he found Egypt in a state of civil war. Incestuous the 25th, or whatever the fuck his name was. Ptolemy the 14th, I think. Who gives a shit? He's a kid, he was a dumbass, and he died. Was at war with Cleopatra. And he had her imprisoned in the desert. And when Caesar coming, trying to find Cleopatra to install her as his puppet regent, Incestuous, the 57th, decides that he is going to send death squads to go after Cleopatra to have her assassinated. Caesar can't have this, so he decides to send two of his best soldiers, Lucius Verinus and Titus Polo, to go save her. And they arrive just in the nick of time. They kill the death squad, and they bring Cleopatra back to Cairo in a litter. Oh, fuck. Cairo wasn't even founded yet. It wasn't founded until the 7th century. Oh, I've got to stop drinking before these guest appearances. Oh, there goes my credibility. Oh. They were going back to Alexandria in a litter. And Cleopatra, she's got an opium addiction. So, you know, she's puffing on the pipe. Finally, her maidservant guilt trips her into quitting. She throws the pipe out into the desert. Now she's going through opiate withdrawals, which, I mean, she's got the shakes and the shivers, and she's all fucked up. She realizes during her hallucinations of whatever, or her opium withdrawal, that she's ovulating right now and she needs a baby in her right now that looks Roman. She won't be able to make it to Alexandria in time to get Caesar to put one in her, so she needs help. So she calls in the ranking officer, Lucius Verinus, to put a baby in her. But Lucius Verinus has just patched up things with his wife before they left for Greece for the Roman Civil War, and he's too honorable of a person to do something like that, so he decides that he can't do it. He wants to, he's got a princess there with her legs open, He finally pulls himself away and sends in Titus Polo, who will fuck anything with a pulse, pretty much. And they go to town. The maids are screaming, and a Roman child is put into Cleopatra. And so by the time she rolls out of the carpet to see Caesar, she's technically already pregnant. And so Caesarian, her illegitimate child with Caesar, was actually fathered by the lowly legionary Titus Polo. Oh, wait. (sighs) Damn it. That didn't happen at all. I was just recounting... A scene in HBO's series Rome. I, I really do have to stop drinking. This is a problem. Oh, I'm sorry, guys, but Rome is one of the greatest shows that HBO has ever made. 
just behind The Sopranos and Game of Thrones. It's definitely their best historical drama out there. And all of those World War II fanboys sitting there throwing their bags of Cheetos at their speakers, screaming, Band of Brothers is the best. Yeah, well, does Band of Brothers have quotable lines like, it's hotter than Vulcan's dick out here? No, they don't. So you can fight me for it. I don't care. HBO canceled Rome after two seasons, even though it was one of the best shows. They claimed budgetary concerns, but ever since then, they came up with Game of Thrones and all these other big budget things, and now we have $100 million per episode so we can see Jon Snow fuck Daenerys Targaryen, and we can't bring back one of the greatest historical shows ever made. This has been a fully sarcastic and partially sober production by Neil Eckert of Warren Conquest Podcast. Tune in Mondays. Someone get that man some water! Yeah. Well... All right. So well, who the great. hell was that? <laughs> so that was Neil from the War and Conquest podcast. And we, ah. it's a weekly episodic history show. Is it episodic? It's episodic. I'm going to mark that. What? What do you mean? That's how you pronounce the word, right? Yeah, it's episodic. <laughs> so War and Conquest is a weekly episodic history show that discusses the great conquerors of history, tries to be as factual as possible while incorporating as much comedy that can be drawn from the source material. It's um, a one-man show? It's a one-man show. That's and impressive as hell. It is, and he pulls it off. You want, you want to know my favorite thing about it? What? Is he goes on these rants that have, like, <laughs> nothing to do with the topic at times. Not all the time. <laughs> but he always apologizes for them. And I'm like, no, dude, that's the funniest... I mean, it's not the funniest thing, but it's one of the funniest things about your show. Uh, oh, that's so hilarious. But well, we do that. Oh, we used absolutely. to cut that shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not anymore. Yeah. Now we're just too lazy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So, Ptolemy right. the 13th, he puts two to, and two together, and he now thinks that Julius Caesar probably won't be unbiased anymore in regards to the Egyptian Civil War. Really? You know, <laughs> he's kind of kind of sleeping with Cleopatra. Sleeping so, with his sister. Wife. And wife. Ruler. <laughs> ruler and uh, opponent. <laughs> And this is Egypt, not Arkansas, remember? Right! This makes no sense! (laughs) I know! So Ptolemy tells the Egyptian people that Cleopatra is flirting with and sleeping with a Roman! The horror! a giant mob assembles and goes to the palace where Julius Caesar and Cleopatra are staying. And Caesar goes out to speak with the mob, and he explains the solution. Uh, he oh. calms them down by just talking to them. Well, what a concept. He's Julius Caesar. <laughs> of course, yeah. And so he says this. Ptolemy XII's will clearly states that t- the two siblings should rule together. Oh, and Cleopatra's other siblings, they can rule th- that island of Cyprus together. Rome's going to give oh. it back to Egypt. So nice. everybody wins. Egypt gets more land that they had previously lost. Everybody in the family can rule. They're ruling together. It's a win-win situation, right? It can't possibly go wrong. (laughs) Yeah, it it goes wrong pretty much immediately. Of course it does. (laughs) Ptolemy the the 18th, pretty much. (laughs) Ptolemy the 13th hates this plan. So he assembles his army and lays siege to the palace that Caesar's small group of soldiers and Cleopatra are now trapped in. That's probably, I mean, I'm not going to say I understand or agree with Ptolemy, but that's a good move. Well, if he wants control of Egypt, that's yeah. probably the best best move, yeah. They're all in one place, tiny palace, yup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So, 
it's called the Siege of the Palace, and it goes on for a while, and there's a ton of politics here, because there's always drama in the palace, you know, that just comes with a palace. It's the fucking um, palace. <laughs> it, yeah, that's what happens. <laughs> yeah. For, for the sake of time, basically what happens is that Cleopatra has her other younger siblings, who I have not introduced yet because I hate history, <laughs> and uh, these siblings also want a slice of that Egyptian pie, so ah. they do some things, but in the end, they eventually side with Ptolemy the Thirteenth, their older brother, or in one way or another, they get killed. Uh, oh. <laughs> so again, just great Shit. family. Great family. Yeah, things are good, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's uh. it's not looking too hot for Caesar and Cleopatra. Um, they're, they're locked up in the drama palace, surrounded mm -hmm. by angry soldiers, they got but a baby. Yeah, they got a they got a baby on the way. But at least they're in each other's arms and are happy together for the time being. Uh, right. okay. <laughs> right. Hey, hey, speaking of, maybe this is a good time to talk briefly about Cleopatra's love life. Or better yet, you had somebody else do it, didn't you? You got it! Because <laughs> I didn't want to talk about it, so I got someone else to do it for me. Oh, yep. perfect. I got the boys over at the Life of X podcast to describe Cleopatra's love life. And oh. they did. <laughs> this is probably a fun task for them. Hey, go find out all <laughs> I, the dirty hey, they bits wanted about to do it. I didn't, I didn't force them to do it. <laughs> I let them decide. <laughs> I believe in free will. Sometimes. Uh, no, you don't. I was going to say. Don't. Not at all. You don't I believe in free will when the burritos are flowing. <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, this is Arif Jadala and Melvin Barnes from the Life of X podcast here to talk to you about Cleopatra's love life. One thing about Cleopatra that has been universally recognized by scholars is that she knew exactly what she wanted in a man. Players gotta play. That's right. And the first thing she wanted in a man was a very tight gene pool. <laughs> she met up with the one and only Julius, leader of legions, Caesar. Hard to top that. Until you get yourself stabbed to death by all your friends. Mm. Friends like you, Erv. Friends I, like you. I would probably do that to you. Wow, wow. I mean, if you, you know, in the name of democracy. <laughs> well, that's always the tyrants. Mm. And then... But, I mean, but wait, now, now hold on. I think we've all probably got a friend like this. That, like, if you were stabbed by your friends... He's like, oh, where's girl at? Right. Oh, he did? Hey, how you doing? <laughs> and, so then... And in this case, it was... Mark Anthony. A.K.A. Arif Jadella. Not the singer, Mark Anthony. I know that might be confusing for some of you. But it was, in fact, the ruler, Mark Anthony. And, lest we forget, the ever-handsome, ever-manly Titus Pullo. Yeah. He's the GOAT. You know, you gotta end on that. Yeah, so guys, um, I hope this was helpful and informative. If it wasn't, please reach out to Melvin and... <laughs> and complain to him really crank up the hate mail send it his way you all uh you have a wonderful podcast toodles thanks for including us well that was really sexy and i'm not even talking about the content i'm talking about those voices baby that, okay <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, All right, you, we, we, there are guests, remember? Yes, right. So okay. you need to tell everyone who they are. <laughs> yeah, so the Life of X podcast is an informal, conversational, deep dive into the lives of fascinating figures from history. 
And unlike us, Melvin and Arif are two relatively informed individuals as they discuss interesting people, historical context, and the events that shaped their lives. Every show that I, uh, that joined me for this, that I had to do my work, I have listened to, okay? I did my homework. All right, These are all, all right. good shows. Yeah, they're great shows. So, I've, so I've check them out. I've listened to Life of X, too, and really, really good shit. Yep, definitely yeah. give them a listen. Yep. Uh, yeah, give them a so pat on the back. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Now, I know that, I know that they just... They talked about Mark Antony for a little bit, and that's okay. kind of jumping ahead. Uh, so I'm going to back up a bit from Mark Antony. We'll get to him eventually. Okay. So remember that Cleopatra and Julius Caesar are besieged by Ptolemy the Thirteenth, right? Right in the palace. In the palace, the, the drama palace. palace. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, eventually the siege is lifted because Julius's actual army shows up. And Ptolemy pieces the fuck out. Because yeah. this, this is like a Roman army, dude. It's, it's the freaking Roman army. You do not yeah. stick around for any palace. Uh, not even the drama one. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, what I what I mean by piecing the fuck out is that uh, Julius Caesar soon thereafter fought a battle on the Nile against Ptolemy the 13th. And Ptolemy the 13th fled in a boat the boat tipped over, and he drowned in the Nile. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite ending. <laughs> Great end, yeah. It's <laughs> so with his death and the destruction of his army, the Ptolemaic civil war was pretty much over as Cleopatra now pretty much held the throne. And it's 47 BCE, or around there at this time, by the way. Right. Now, Caesar was somewhat worried that Cleopatra, as a sole woman ruler, wouldn't go over too well in Egypt. Um, ah. Be because it, it had happened before, but it wasn't too popular. Like, we, we heard about that earlier. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> he had a great idea. This okay. Ha this hasn't gone wrong before. So, Cle <laughs> Cleopatra's got another brother. <laughs> Oh, shit. Oh, my God. Ptolemy oh, no. the 14th. <laughs> oh, God, of course. Who's 12 years old? Oh, oh. Mm. Nah. So nah. he's like, hey, 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 you just marry your 12-year-old brother <laughs> and, and rule Egypt together. Now, don't... <laughs> it's a simple plan. Yeah, it's a... <laughs> Right. Every scheme up till now has been <laughs> bad, but this is the one. This is the one that's work, really going to work. Marrying your child brother. <laughs> After you just fought a war against your older sister and your older brother. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Now, okay. <laughs> thankfully, the, the marriage was pretty much political. Because remember, that, that was like a political thing the Egyptians did at this point. Um, yeah, okay. So it was just a political marriage. Because Cleopatra was staying with Julius Caesar. They were really hitting it off, okay? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And these two, they, 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 they then go on a lovely sightseeing tour of Egypt together. Yeah. Oh. They, they, they sail on the Nile in a giant pleasure barge. <laughs> uh, maybe that's made up. We don't know. Who what? knows? What? We don't know. <laughs> Sorry, I heard pleasure barge. I'm convinced that's real. <laughs> Well, the pleasure barge probably did exist. We don't know if they went on a huge sight touring, sightseeing tour. I so you're just talk. making shit up? <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't know. They might have. Who knows? We don't. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> the two spent some time together. We do know that. 
all and right. all the while, okay. Cleopatra is pregnant with their baby, okay? Ah, yes. Which is big, because that's Julius Caesar and Cleopatra's baby. Yeah. Now, uh... this whole love affair brings up an interesting question. Hmm. Now, Cleopatra is often portrayed, even, even today, as this, like, sex icon, or this huge uh, yeah. flirt, right? I was wondering when we were going to talk about this. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to talk about it. For Christ's sake, man. <laughs> I'm going to have someone else talk about it. There is this common stance taken by many that Cleopatra was the ultimate seductress. A sex symbol on par with Marilyn Monroe, Kim Kardashian, and David Beckham rolled all into one. There's accounts abound of her taking many lovers and being a prolific lovemaker. However, there's no evidence to support any of that. In fact, the only evidence supports that she had sexual relationships with Mark Anthony and Julius Caesar, to whom she bore children. Which begs the question, were there liberal members of society, we'll say, getting freaky, so to speak? And what were they getting up to? Now, it's no secret that the upper echelon undertook many abortions for unwanted children. However, contraception was a thing that was up and coming. And the remedies for that ran the gamut of folk theory, scientific reasoning, and superstition. There were many works written about gynecology. There were 34 sources of Greek physicians writing about gynecology and contraception. One particular one came from the Roman Empire. Soranus is his name. He wrote, quote, For it is much more advantageous not to conceive than to destroy the embryo. Therefore, one must consequently beware of having sexual intercourse at those periods which we said are suitable for conception. And during the sexual act, that critical moment of coitus when the man is about to discharge the seed, the woman must hold her breath and draw herself away a little so the seed may not be hurtled too deep into the cavity of the uterus. And getting up immediately and squatting down, she should induce sneezing. She might even drink something cool. Serranus also advocates the use of olive oil, honey, or juice of the balsam tree to be smeared on, quote, the orifice of the uterus, which isn't uncommon. Olive oil was suggested until 1931 as a spermicide, and during that time period, there were members of society using vinegar, lemon juice, and brime douches as a spermicide and that's kind of effective kind of not really it's all about timing in fact the olive oil or honey idea was to slow down the sperm from traveling to slow down the mobility of the seed some writers went completely out of left field describing the use of special amulets or trinkets to be worn Adius, who wrote after Serranus, wrote of the need to quote Wear the liver of a cat in a tube on the left foot, or else wear the part of the womb of the lioness in a tube of ivory. That is very effective. He literally said that was very effective. Point is, Cleopatra didn't take very many lovers. And at the rate at which people were using ineffective contraceptives, aborting children, and contracting sexually transmitted diseases, can you really blame her? All right, James, who the fuck was that? That that was Dirty History, the Dirty History Podcast. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what is the Dirty History Podcast? Dirty History Podcast, it's a podcast which focuses on those things left out of the classroom. 
Not because they are unimportant, but because they are vulgar or otherwise beneath the standards of taste. Ah, uh, yes. Oh my god, is this podcast entertaining. Yeah. Uh, I haven't actually listened to this one, but I have seen some of the shit they post on Twitter, and it's dirty, that is for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, oh god. So, okay. so now that, that's kind of cleared up. Um, enough happiness for now, okay? Okay, We're, enough happiness. Uh, we Too much happiness. Okay. So, so Julius has to leave the arms of Cleopatra because he has to put down a pesky rebellion in Anatolia, which is in it's modern day Turkey, pretty much. That's I always have rebellions in Anatolia. What is with that? I don't even. <sighs> I know, right? It's like yeah. college debt and rebellions in Anatolia. Those are the two things <laughs> plaguing America right now. Millennials. <sighs> yeah. Oh God. The other the struggle the other is re- real. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that that kind of forced Julius to leave Cleopatra was, oh yeah, he was married. What? <laughs> oh yeah. Uh oh. Uh huh. Oh. Uh, yeah. Oh. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So maybe he should get back to his wife. You know. Oh um, God. So he leaves Egypt, but just in case, he leaves three legions in Egypt just to you know keep the peace. Classic. We're a republic. We're still a republic. And he, he later upped that to four legions. So great stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, eventually, we're going to skip a bunch of time. Julius, or eventually, he returns to Italy, back to his home. And then Cleopatra and her brother-husband co-ruler visited <laughs> Julius in Italy. Just for a little, mm. you know, friendly get-together. Um, These are world travelers. Yes, yes. Mm. And the group did some things. They helped Julius fix his calendar a bit. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Julius introduced Cleopatra as... A friend and ally of the Roman people. (laughs) (laughs) Which is kind of like saying, hey, we're just friends. (laughs) And it's also starting to sound like Egypt is under the protection of Rome. Just a bit. I I mean, he says Cleopatra is a friend and ally of the Roman people, but fails to mention that he has a child with her. (laughs) You know... there are other things, but that's the big thing. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Okay. So, so this so sounds good. Thing, yeah. Well, it's it's not good. So one thing leads to another, and uh, Julius Caesar is murdered! Oh, God. Come mm-hmm. on. Yeah. So I'll tell you all about that another time, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So basically what happens is the Senate was getting a little worried about how strong Julius was becoming. And they were jealous. They were jealous that he had a child with an Egyptian queen on a pleasure barge. (laughs) Probably a little jelly, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they killed killed the dude. Yeah. Right. By this time, Cleopatra, she had their baby, who was also Julius Caesar's baby, of course. Right. And she named the baby some name I'm not going to even attempt to pronounce. It's got Caesar in the name. It's like Caesar (laughs) Eon, Caesar Eon, Caesar Eon. I'm going to call him Billy. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so they have they have, they have a kid named Billy. Okay. And they announce to the... Ro- oh, well, not they. He's dead. <laughs> she <laughs> yeah. announces to the Roman people that Billy was Caesar's rightful heir. Oh, okay. <laughs> Remember, uh, like, Rome's kind of a republic? They don't really yeah. have heirs, but they kind yeah. of do. It's <laughs> weird. Uh... I don't know. What what makes it more awkward is that Caesar, he, he had named his heir, but it wasn't Billy. <laughs> he named his heir 
uh, his nephew. What? No, not his nephew. His grand his grand nephew Octavian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm drunk. <laughs> so he, yeah, his heir. He names Octavian his grand nephew. So it's awkward, right? Right. It's awkward. Okay. A lot of fa- a lot of family issues on this show. This is this is this is a nightmare. <laughs> it's chunky. <laughs> So Octavian arrives on the scene, and he's like, I'm the heir of Julius Caesar. And so Cleopatra returns to Egypt, where she just poisons and kills her brother-slash-husband-slash-co-ruler of Egypt, <laughs> Ptolemy Fourteenth. And she's like, okay, well, I'm going to name my son Billy the co-ruler of Egypt with Well, me. if you can't get Rome, you can at least get Egypt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and if you can't co-rule with your husband-slash-brother, you might as well do it with your baby son. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. Meanwhile, over in Rome, shit's gone to hell. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't gotten it already. The people. Sorry, I, no? I, just hit, I just hit a euphoric point on the show. <laughs> this is this has just been building and building and building. It only gets bigger. <laughs> this yeah. happened. Shit. Okay. Yeah. This is this is famous, dude. Dead people are crazy. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So the people of Rome and much of the Senate are are furious that Julius Caesar has been murdered. uh, Because, I mean, even if they didn't like the guy, you can't go around murdering important people. No, you can't. (laughs) Not only that, but the assassins of Julius Caesar, they're on the loose. And they're gathering armies in order to restore the Republic or some shit like that. Well, damn. <laughs> yeah. So, the Roman people, they elect three men in order to bring the assassins to justice. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of these guys, I'm not going to talk about it all, two of these guys uh, go by the name Octavian, who, remember, uh-huh. is the grandnephew of Julius Caesar. Right. And another dude named Mark Antony. Ah, there he is. Mm-hmm. So we we heard a little bit about him earlier, yeah. Right. And, of course, both the assassins and the elected Roman assassin hunters both try to get Cleopatra to join them. Well, that's a classy move. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Cleopatra, it, it's kind of complicated, but she eventually joins forces with the guys tracking down the assassins. Which Got makes it. sense, because the assassins killed her, her lover. Right. And the father of her son. Yeah. And also, you know, the emperor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, pretty much. Yeah. So she uh, she sends some ships to help Octavian and Antony, but the ships are decimated in a storm and arrive late. So, so it doesn't it's really like one help. little raft. <laughs> <laughs> We're here to help. <laughs> just just one old man on with a muskrat. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and he's got a musket with the muskrat. <laughs> you just thought of musket because I said muskrat. I know. There's a musky scent to it all. I don't know. Oh my god. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay, okay. though, because because Anthony, Mark Anthony, he had defeated the assassin forces at the import. Imp- oh my god. Just mark that. I'm. Anthony had defeated the assassin forces at the important battle of Philippi, which I will tell you nothing about. Well. Th- <laughs> Who knows? We'll, we'll cover. It but you're gonna about. have somebody else tell us about it, right? 
Actually, no. <laughs> I'm too lazy to even get someone else. Couldn't even do that. <laughs> it's not really about Cleopatra. It's a different... It's kind of related to her, but... Okay. Uh, the assassins are gone, okay? And All right. They eventually commit suicide or get killed. It, it, Julius Caesar has been avenged. That's that's the big deal, okay? Right. Now, Aaron. Yes? We have seen this before. <laughs> yes, we have. for you. <laughs> What happens when there's a civil war, the civil war is resolved, and then the victors find themselves with an immense amount of power and no common enemy anymore? Uh, Do the victors continue to get along? Fucking never. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, they start not getting along. (laughs) Yeah, and in a complicated series of events, which I won't cover, Octavian kind of announces that he's in control of the western half of the Roman Empire. I mean, Roman Republic, sorry! It's a Why Repu- do you keep harping on that, that it's a republic and not an empire? It's still technically a republic, even though it it's, sounds like an empire, dude. It's <laughs> it's behaving it's like t- an empire. It's totally an empire. But no, it's, it's, a, republic. it's a republic. It's officially yeah. a republic. Yeah, of course. Sort of like America's officially a democracy. <laughs> Yes, yes. Yeah. So Octavian kind of just <laughs> kind of just takes the western half of the Roman Empire or has power there. And mm. Mark Antony, he's like, "Well, okay, I'm going to take a lot of the eastern half." So now now Rome's kind of split. Great stuff. Yeah. yeah. Good for Rome. Mhm. Now let's back up here just a second and talk okay. about Mark Antony because he's an important player if you don't know anything about this story. Okay. R- really, I'm just going to tell you one thing about him. He had okay. actually seen Cleopatra before. Oh, Years okay. earlier, when he was a soldier, he had been with the army that marched uh, and helped Cleopatra's dad take power back in Egypt uh, so many years earlier. Interesting. And Antony, he had, as a soldier, he had seen Cleopatra in this group, and he f- immediately fell just head over heels in love with the girl. Oh. Just, yeah. Now, she was 14. Oh, okay. at the time, um, shit. So, uh, yeah, but he <laughs> he was in love with her starting then, and he still had this infatuation of her, right? Okay. So he now now coming back to the present day, which is not present day, but Mark Antony now has control in the eastern half of the empire, and he's like, hey, I'm a little closer to Cleopatra, <laughs> so he invites her to his his home in modern day southern Turkey, to the ancient version of Netflix and chill. Which was, hey, do you want to Netflix and talk about the assassins of Julius Caesar? <laughs> oh, man. And it No worked. wonder I can't get a date. <laughs> <laughs> right? You gotta up your game. Yeah. Yeah. It eventually worked, I should say. Cleopatra refused. She refused, but eventually was talked into visiting Antony. So she sets sail on over, and she holds a huge two-day kick-ass party on a boat. For Antony and all of his officers. And he wow. just like she just blows him away. And, and let me tell you, okay, Cleopatra threw badass parties. Or even better, I won't tell you. I'll have our good oh. friend Bryce from Naked Mormonism tell you oh, shit. how good of parties Cleopatra threw. Oh god, I miss Bryce so much. <laughs> I know, I know. He's got such a lovely voice. Hey, James and Aaron and all listeners of We Talk About Dead People. My name is Bryce Blankenegel. I am the host of the Naked Mormonism podcast. 
I'm here to talk a little bit about the subject matter today, Cleopatra. In view of a subject matter that definitely interests me, um, of course, that would be entheogens and the use of psychedelic medicines and herbalism in uh, prehistory and in, in early antiquity that uh, Cleopatra comes from. She actually possibly wrote a book known as Cosmetics that included herbalism and included um, recipes for surgeries and for uh, various antidotes for or for anything that might ail a person living in the first century BCE in Egypt. Well, unfortunately, the attribution of those recipes may be apocryphal. She may never have written them, but she was incredibly learned and likely studied in herbalism while she, her, she spent her time growing up in Alexandria because she was incredibly smart. But what is really notable is people who had drinking clubs, uh, it wasn't just alcohol. They infused all sorts of really cool herbs into their little drinking clubs, and maybe that explains why Cleopatra was the host of the best parties in all of Egypt throughout all antiquity. And luckily for all of us, those same ceremonies and those same entheogenic settings have been passed on through generations of religious leaders and shamanic ritualism, and maybe, maybe even made its appearance in early Mormonism. What's fact? What's fiction? You'll have to listen to find out. Thanks, guys. Congratulations, and take care. I hope everybody enjoys. Um, cut that last part. There's a snap for a cut. It's all connected to the Mormons. <laughs> it is. Yeah, so in case you didn't get it from the name, Bryce hosts Naked Mormonism, a serialized podcast about Mormon history. What we covered in three episodes, Bryce hasn't been able to cover in 150 episodes. Fucking amateur! Yeah! <laughs> no, really, though. He's got an interesting fucking podcast. <laughs> like, if, even if you don't care about Mormonism or Mormon history, it is crazy interesting. And super weird. He's terrible at it, though. <laughs> He's great! Uh, dude, Shut like 150 episodes? We, we covered Joseph Smith in three episodes. Well, like, get uh, your shit together. Okay, so he lacks a little efficiency. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. Still a great No, you can't have it all. Sure, <laughs> we'll go with that. <laughs> we love you, Bryce. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes we do. All right. So Cleopatra <laughs> and Mark Antony, they have this kick-ass party, and they start up a romantic relationship pretty much right away. They're like but, drunk, off, you know, out in the front of the boat, and right. it's nighttime, and the city lights are in the distance, and she's got a little glass of wine and a scarf that's like blowing in the wind, and she comes out and goes, <laughs> I fucking love Rome! And he goes, I love you. And she looks at him, and the music stops, and she goes, <laughs> we can't be in love. And then they kiss. <laughs> and that's the next script that I'm going to release to Hollywood so that they can say no. <laughs> all right i'm good I, I, i'm down yeah that sounds i mean who hasn't banged cleopatra let's be honest here oh actually okay sorry that was cleared up earlier she wasn't a slut at all <laughs> no i'm fucking around i'm fucking around man oh okay sorry then never mind just cut it uh cut yep <clears throat> shit where were we uh oh yeah romantic movie Right. Yeah, um, so the thing is, Cleopatra is using this relationship to get shit done. Right, All right? yeah. Picked up on that and, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, so 
while she has Mark Antony just, you know, begging at her heels, she's able to clear her name of being a supporter of basically any sides against Rome ever. She's oh. like, no, I was always on your side, right? Yeah. That, yeah. Then she gets Antony to execute one of her sisters who had fought against her years before and been exiled to Roman territory. So, gotcha. I kill her. Uh, then she gets a governor who had rebelled against her, also executed. All right. And uh, <clears throat> all the while, Mark Antony is just in the palm of her hand. Just totally. <laughs> this poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, uh. before... Before she left, she invited Anth Antony to visit Egypt sometime, you know? Like, when you're in town. And Antony was like, hell, I'll visit you now! <laughs> so, so he goes just a few months later in November of 41 BCE. Wow, yeah. okay. So in Egypt, once reunited, uh, the two lovebirds just spend a ton of time together. She keeps throwing him lavish parties and whatnot, and he's just, like, in heaven. I was gonna and say, he's really <laughs> enjoying this. <laughs> Meanwhile, for some reasons, the, the the Roman territories of Cilicia and Cyprus, they're turned over from being controlled by Mark and a Mark Antony back to being controlled by Cleopatra in Egypt. Just you know, huh. somehow. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. Who knows? He's, he like oh. wakes up one morning. Hey, where'd Cyprus go? And she's like, <laughs> "Love me." <laughs> and he's like, yeah, "Okay." <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. She, she like, throws the map away under the table. <laughs> yeah. So, she also names all of her future heirs as sons and daughters of Mark Antony. She just, like, makes this announcement. Wow. Uh, and she just happens to believe that he's the most powerful man of Rome. But that's not important. Like, whoops, no, we're, we're together. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, another war gets involved, and... Antony has to leave to go to Syria to fight a war, so Cleopatra, she's left alone. And she does the only logical thing and keeps a spy in his camp uh -oh. while, he, while he goes off to war. But Why it's can't okay, I track your phone? Why can't I track yeah. your phone? I want to track your phone. I want to know where you are. Yeah, yeah. What do you have to hide? <laughs> <laughs> Who was that girl? Who are you talking to? Yeah. <laughs> I saw you uh, were at Sport Clips. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. Pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> so while Antony's off fighting a war, Cleopatra has babies. Ah. Twins, actually. Hooray! And she says that Antony was the father, and Antony actually says, yeah, I, I was the father. So things are on the up and up for these two. Cleopatra okay. has babies, Antony is gonna conquer, like, the whole world, Rome isn't really angry with them, this is the beginning of a new era! Hooray! Mm-hmm. But... Oh. <laughs> but... <laughs> there, there's a problem. <laughs> All right. <laughs> there's a problem with this whole thing. Okay. You see, Mark Antony was already married. <laughs> okay. <laughs> of course he was. Yeah, He's he was married to... He was. <laughs> he was married to an ambitious Roman aristocrat named Fulvia. Or oh. Fulvia. Something along that, those lines. It's Fulvia. Yeah, she's in Rome, or she's in Italy, and she's pissed, right? Right. That A, her husband is off fighting a war in Syria, that B, her husband isn't the sole ruler of Rome yet, come on, get on your game, and C, that her husband is sleeping around with some Egyptian bimbo skank named Cleopatra. <laughs> So oh, she starts a war against Octavian oh, <laughs> in, an effort, in an effort to solve all of these problems. Because, 
Because she figures, hey, if I start a war, Hubby will return home to me. That, uh, I don't know if that's the greatest plan, but I also don't, I don't see a better opportunity for the war between the East and the West part of the Roman Empire to happen. Sure, right. right. Like, because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. (laughs) (laughs) Before, the North, the South, the East, the West, the up, the the down, it's, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, this, this war breaks out. And Octavian quickly defeats her forces. Mm. She flees, and then she dies in Greece. It's kind of tragic. Oh, And uh, Mark Antony, he rushes to the scene, and Octavian also rushes to the scene. And Ah. they kind of use her death as this time to to work things out. Oh, shit. They do work things out. Oh. Yeah. Uh... Here's the catch. Okay, I knew um, it. <laughs> <laughs> Antony has to give up a bunch of his territory uh, to Octavian, and he also has to marry Octavian's sister, ah. which kind of ostracizes himself from Cleopatra. Yep. Ooh. So you can see Octavian kind of wiggling his way in between. It's yeah. it's like it's like, hey, I'm sorry that I had to kill your wife, but you can marry my sister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or did I have that backwards? Well, uh, yeah. Oh, no, I didn't. I didn't. Right. Okay. No, you're, you're good. Yeah. Yeah. So, this happens, and Cleopatra is not happy about this. I mean, who would be? Yeah, because she was kind of riding the Mark Antony train to fame. I mean, right. who isn't? Ah. Right. But then again, she's doing pretty well in Egypt. Her children have both important Roman blood and royal Egyptian blood in them. Antony gave her all sorts of territory in Syria, the Levant, northern Libya, Turkey, all sorts of places. Nice. And her kingdom is, like, larger than it's ever been in a lot of places. Okay. That's but good there's for her. trouble. there's trouble in paradise. Of oh, course. fuck. <laughs> yeah, I can't give you one piece of good news without giving you three pieces of bad news. Well, that's just par for the course. <laughs> True. <laughs> So Octavian starts talking about how Mark Antony would rather be with some non-Roman Egyptian queen than Octavian's virtuous sister and Roman woman, who was also his wife, right? Right. So the Roman people, they start hearing this, and they get a little pissed at Antony and Cleopatra. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, Antony and Cleopatra, they're back together, by the way. Uh, oh, good. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they're invading Parthia together. What? Which, because why not, right? Yeah. It's a little fun thing that lovers do. <laughs> Who hasn't? Who hasn't? Yeah. yeah. Invade uh, Parthia. <laughs> right. Yeah. Poland, Parthia, anywhere with a P. <laughs> and then she also has another... another son with Mark Antony. So the family's okay. growing. The the illegitimate family is growing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and because she has the son, she kind of leaves, goes back to Egypt, and Mark Antony's invasion turns into a complete disaster. Oh, Jesus. He loses 30,000 men. Oh, whoo-hoo. And so That's he's a like... Lot. <laughs> yeah, he's like, all my boys are dead. That's like at least have, 10. It, it's like, it's... I've been told it's slightly more than 10. Oh, okay. Yeah, somewhere around there. <laughs> uh, so he, he's lost all of his boys. He mm. couldn't take over Parthia. Cleopatra's back in Egypt, away from him. So he goes into his tent and just gets drunk off his oh, ass. 
<laughs> yeah. And now he's just drunk all the time, like day in, oh, day shit. out. He's in a terrible place. Oh. So Cleopatra hears this, and she goes back to him and tells him that it will all be okay, and that they should just go back to Egypt together. So they Good do. plan. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, in the West, Octavian is still telling everybody how horrible Antony is for spending time with Cleopatra instead of his Roman wife. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good thing yeah. to do. And Octavian <laughs> also just happens to be eliminating all his rivals in the West. Okay. Um, uh, but hey, that's not important. Pay attention to what's really, really important. Romance scandals. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of me, oh, you know, getting rid of all these other big players. Oh my right? god. How scandalous! <laughs> Why are my friends all dead? <laughs> what? I don't know. But Mark uh, Antony, he's a he's a flirt. <laughs> <laughs> so eventually Mark Antony, back in Egypt, his ego is rebuilt, so he gets his lads together again and invades Armenia. Because why not, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's actually a lot of reasons for why, but I'm not going to tell you because it's not important. It's actually important, but who cares? So he wins in <laughs> Armenia. <laughs> okay. Then he returns to Alexandria in Egypt uh, to his lover Cleopatra, and he has a huge Roman-styled parade to celebrate his military victory. And Cleopatra <laughs> sits in this giant golden throne, <laughs> and then he displays his conquests before her. Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Star I'm... Wars was a ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah true true and also you need to get your act together okay why so i'm just I... saying invade armenia <laughs> get some gold and have a parade that's how to get the girl okay yeah. Yeah, okay yep i, I just i'll Write be down. right back <laughs> maybe i'll make a podcast about it the invasion of armenia <laughs> yeah so over in rome because of this parade people are disgusted that Mark Antony would entertain an e Egyptian queen with a Roman parade instead of entertaining the Roman people with it, okay? Now, I get that. I get it. It's right. like, where's it, your loyalty really at, Antony? Yeah, wh yeah, who are you trying to impress? You're supposed to be serving the Roman people, not yeah. some Egyptian Mac Macedonian queen. Yeah. Yeah. So then things kind of take a turn. <laughs> okay. And Cleopatra just announces that she was the queen of kings. Uh, 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 uh. Uh, that her, her boy that she had with Julius Caesar was the king of kings. Oh, Billy? Yeah, Billy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, one of the boys she had with Mark Antony was now the king of Armenia, Media, and Parthia. Uh. Which is interesting because they didn't even capture Parthia. I was yet. gonna say, <laughs> <laughs> but he's the king, damn it! Oh my and God. also, the other boy I had with Mark Antony, he's the king of Syria and Cilicia, and also the, my daughter, she can be the rule of ruler of Crete and Cyrene. So ah, there, ah. there you have it. I I put the post on Facebook. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it, it's gonna happen. Yeah. It's real. <laughs> yeah. So. Also, she may have married Mark Antony at this point. It's mm. we don't know for sure. Okay, but yeah. I bet she did the, though. It sounds like she's making a lot of political moves with her family, and to yes. marry him would solidify that power that she had over those regions. Absolutely. Yeah, that makes sense. And okay. this union between like Roman power and Egyptian power. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I probably it would make sense, but we don't know for sure. Right. So it's, it's kind of a big, <laughs> big sequence of claims to make, but right. whatever. Good for her. <laughs> and and Antony's kind of like, okay, yeah, sounds good to me. Anything <laughs> Go you <for> say, it. <laughs> honey. Uh-huh. But Octavian, of course, is furious about this. So this this propaganda war starts up, and oh, Octavian is he's throwing these claims against Antony and Cleopatra, and mm. Antony and Cleopatra are throwing these claims back, and it just goes back and forth, and it gets totally out of hand, and yeah, a propaganda war, fun stuff. Nice, I love propaganda wars. Hey, um, so uh, Octavian, sir. Uh, yes. I've got some I've got some bad news. So, oh. Antony and Cleopatra, yes. th- they're they're spreading oh. some nasty rumors about yes. how you're like oh. eliminating the Republic secretly. Yes. And how you've oh. also <laughs> kind of, sir, are you? Can you need a glass of water? Excuse me. Okay. Yeah, so they're telling everybody that you're getting rid of the Roman Republic and also getting rid of potential rivals and ah, doing all of this legally. That little rat. Yeah. Well, two can play at that game. It's time we start hitting back. Uh, uh, what was your name? Quintus. Uh, ah, Quintus, right. Yes. Well, Quintus, it's time to hit back and to hit back hard. Okay, brainstorming sesh. So how about we tell him that Mark Antony has no right as a Roman ruler? Mm. Yes, he's so Mm -hmm. chained to that girl, Cleopatra, that filthy queen of Egypt. Oh, that's good, sir. That, sire, wow, you're quite a genius. Yes, we'll tell them that no one, not only is she an Egyptian, but Cleopatra is also a witch. Uh Oh. And, Ah. and... And the real kicker, that she used sorcery and evil magic to seduce Mark Antony. Oh, well, okay. Wait. Yes. We might want to hmm, rethink the phrasing on that. Um, she's she's practically a second Helen of Troy. And oh, just oh, like dear. Helen, she's going to destroy the world. We'll just tell oh, him that. That's quite a, sir, that's quite a claim. And he should also um, be with his wife, who also oh, just happens well. to be my sister. Well, that is kind of suspicious, but... Oh, and tell them he's not a real soldier. Oh. Tell them he lost to the Parthians, of all people. (laughs) Oh. Yes, who loses to the Parthians? Well, Mark Anthony does. (laughs) He he did, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Oh, here's another one. Uh, Did you know that one time Anthony checked out a book from the Library of Pergamum and didn't return it? Not only that, but he added it to the Library of Alexandria, the thief! Did he... Did he actually do that? It doesn't I, matter. This I means war. Oh, no. This oh, means God, war. No. It does. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, so this whole propaganda war just totally breaks out. Right. Uh, and okay. goes on for, like, a long time. <laughs> uh, all the while, tensions between Mark Antony and Octavian just continue to rise. Of course. We, we <laughs> really? <coming>. Really? <laughs> <laughs> really, okay. yeah. Now... I could tell you what happens next. Fuck off. <laughs> or I could have somebody else do it for me. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, oh. so so I asked the guy over at Maritime, 
the Maritime History Podcast to tell us a little about kind of what happens next. It's just the guy over at the Maritime The guy. Yep. I got a guy. I got a guy. His name is Brandon, for Christ's sake. It's Brandon, okay? I know it's Brandon. (laughs) If you say guy, it sounds more mysterious, you know? Oh, okay. I got you. I've got a guy. I don't want to fuck up your shit. Sorry. He can get you some naval information. I've got I've got a guy on the inside. Oh, I love naval gazing. You got what? Naval gazing? Have you ever heard of that? No. Okay. What is that? That's just some fucked up expression old people use. Ahoy there, everyone. I'm Brandon Hubner. I man the helm over at the Maritime History Podcast. And I'm just dropping in today to attempt a brief overview of the Naval Battle of Actium. Brevity isn't necessarily a strong suit of mine, so we'll see how short we can keep things today. So a concise background leading up to the Battle of Actium goes something like this. We are in the 30s BCE, the dying years of the Roman Republic. Octavian largely held power in the west of the Roman world. It's not technically the empire yet, but still. Then you have Mark Antony, who fought wars and held power in the east, more or less. So over the course of a few years, Octavian and Antony found more and more excuses to start viewing each other as enemies. Octavian exploited the fact that Antony had at one time been married to his sister, but then Antony had divorced her, gone to Egypt, and taken up with Cleopatra. By 31 BCE, things had basically progressed to the point of military confrontation between them. Both of these men were generals who had large, loyal armed forces under their command, so Antony brought an army and a large naval fleet into Greece. Octavian got the Roman Senate to issue a declaration of war against Cleopatra, technically, but this was by extension against Antony so Octavian assembled his forces in eastern Italy. Antony had hoped to preemptively get his forces over into Italy proper, to bring the fight to Octavian, basically. But as he did so, he realized that Octavian had done a better job planning ahead than he suspected he might. Octavian had a fleet set up to block any passage into Italy, so Mark Antony was forced to hole up near a promontory called Actium, which is in western Greece. Antony anchored his fleet in a protected bay, and uh, he set up his armed forces in a nearby town. He basically just waited to see how things would play out. His fleet was smaller than Octavian's, so he and Cleopatra were basically blockaded in this harbor at Actium. Octavian's navy did a very good job cutting off supply lines, um, most of which were over the sea from other regions. So as time wore on, Mark Antony's forces grew weaker and weaker. Then in 31 BCE, there was an outbreak of malaria in their camp as well, and by September of that year, Antony and Cleopatra were forced to try and break out of Actium. Antony's fleet had about 230 warships, fewer than Octavian's fleet, which was at around 400. On average, Antony's ships were larger and heavier. Octavian had many ships that were known as Liburnian galleys, ships that were built with two levels of rowing oars and were long and narrow, 
built for speed and maneuverability to ram the enemy if possible, but to wheel around and escape if not. In contrast, Antony's fleet contained more bigger ships, which is a bit abnormal for a Roman fleet, actually. These ships were similar to Greek triremes. They had sometimes three levels of oars, sometimes two, but they were purpose-built to be wider and taller, so that gave them room on the inside for more men to sit on the benches and to pull each oar, which means that the ships had more power behind each stroke of the oars. Also because these ships were wider and taller, and since Antony had loaded them down with soldiers trying to escape, we can get a rough picture of how the battle would have looked at the outset here. Antony had a shorter line of ships, they moved more slowly, but once they got going, few smaller ships could stop them. The large ships are oftentimes described as being similar to floating castles, in a way. Antony basically hoped to force through the opposing line just by sheer momentum. He'd asked Cleopatra to bring her ships as well and to support the rear of his main line, basically to prevent Octavian ships from being able to break through the line and then turn around once they got through and attack from the rear. So Antony's strategy is basically just to break out of Actium through sheer weight of numbers. Um, Octavian's strategy was literally just to sit back and wait to force Antony to make the first move. Heavier ships have a big advantage when you're working in close quarters, but Octavian told his commander Agrippa to just be patient. He told him even backwater, go backwards, and try to draw Antony out and stretch his line thin if you can. This is exactly what happened, too. Antony was forced to advance out of Actium slowly, because he was trying to get away, right? But in doing so, gaps started opening up in his line, and once the battle was actually engaged, Octavian's faster ships were easily able to row in and out, they had room to maneuver, and they rained arrows down into Antony's ships. They even used catapults that were equipped on the decks of a lot of these ships to launch projectiles, probably smooth stones that were fairly heavy, into opposing ships. It's thought that um, these catapults even were used to launch flaming bolts into enemy ships, and that Octavian probably burned a portion of Antony's fleet this way, without really having to get that close to them even. So Antony's large, heavily soldiered ships might have been able to win the battle if they had been able to stay compact and use grappling hooks to pull in Octavian ships and to board them, and fight almost like a land-style battle, but on floating platforms. As we have seen, though, that isn't how it played out. So once the battle was progressively getting worse and worse for Antony and it became clear that they were going to lose, Cleopatra and her ships broke through the melee from the back where they were supporting Antony's rear, and they just sailed away. They made a break for it. Antony had also joined her, and he escaped the scene too, and the fact that they made a break for it is often criticized, but looking at the evidence, it seems that they um, were preparing beforehand, before the battle, and their plan all along was to escape with as much of their force as they could, but if they had to swallow heavy losses to get away, they were willing to do so. 
Now, this battle was significant because it signaled the beginning of the end for Antony and Cleopatra's fight against Octavian, but it was also effectively another big nail in the coffin of Rome as a republic. Also, Actium was pretty much the last naval battle of antiquity where large warship fleets fought for control of the Mediterranean, so it's really a fascinating battle to study, and there's a lot more to it. There's a ton more we could talk about. There's like Octavian built an entire town near the site of his victory at Actium. He named it Nicopolis, which means something kind of like Victoryville. He built a huge monument there with bronze rams that he'd taken from the front of captured ships from the battle. Of course, there are other issues um, with the account as we know it today that I like to try to talk about things like the fact that Octavian basically was in control of the narrative that developed about how the battle played out. So we're getting a very one-sided picture of what happened at Actium. History is written by the victors, right? Anyways, that's what I think. And that does it for my contribution. I hope it piqued your interest. Um, there's a ton more to talk about in regards to this battle and, you know, Roman naval topics and all that good stuff. And we get into the nitty gritty details on my podcast. So check it out if you're curious. Otherwise, I'll turn it back over to you guys, James and Aaron. Thanks for inviting me on to ramble on about the Battle of Actium. Well, that kind of sucks for... Uh... For uh, Cleopatra and Mark Antony, I should say so. Just a yeah, just a bit. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And like Brandon said, this was this was pretty much the beginning of the end. So okay. Mark Antony and Cleopatra—they've lost most of their soldiers. The rest of their soldiers have defected to Octavian. Yikes! And uh, <laughs> yeah, they're running out of places to flee to. Yeah, Roman but Egypt. They... The old faithfuls are probably not going to be like <laughs> real happy right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we could just lie to them when we turn home. So well, That's let's true. do that. So they oh. go back to Egypt. <laughs> and okay. Cleopatra was like, yeah, we won a stunning victory. Really? So oh, God. don't worry, guys. It was it was great. Uh, mm. where Where's Antony? Oh, don't worry about that. He's not, you know, trying to find a new army or anything. No, because <laughs> this was a victory. <laughs> <laughs> we're the best. <laughs> yeah, we're the best. So Antony, <laughs> he left four legions over in Libya. So he's, like, going there as fast as possible to get his boys back together. Gotcha. And he gets there, and he realizes that they have all joined Octavian's side. Uh-oh. <laughs> and he's so discouraged by this that he pulls out his sword and almost kills himself on the spot. Uh, oh, shit. Until a few of his officers run over and kind of hold him back from doing so. Wow. So he instead he instead goes back to Egypt, lives in a small cottage, reads philosophy, and gets super depressed. <laughs> Story of my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man. But Cle he's kind of given up. But Cleopatra is still hoping to put her son Billy, the boy she had with Julius Caesar, on the throne of Egypt. Right. That was the plan. That was the plan. Uh, and then her other plan was, you know, she's got to get the fuck out of Dodge because right, right. Octavian's going to be coming for her. Yep. So if she leaves her son in charge, maybe she can flee to India or somewhere far away in the East to kind of divert Roman attention away from her son and away from her people in Egypt. That's the plan. 
that's a good plan. It's like a ex CIA assassin hiding out in the mountains or something. Right. Yeah, and it's significantly better than you know marrying your sibling and <laughs> with them. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Um, okay. Unfortunately for her, this whole plan is foiled. Oh no. And <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. You you can, yeah. we we all know where this is going. Oh no. Anyway, there's a whole bunch of politics. This whole other side story. But basically, there was this dude who had lost everything in a war against Cleopatra, or not against her, but she had started this war that he he lost everything in. Yeah. So, in an act of revenge and encouraged by Octavian's forces, he burnt down her entire fleet. Oh, shit. Yeah, and I can't go into that too much because we're running out of time, but yeah, now she doesn't even have a way of fleeing Egypt. No so, boat. No, so Cleopatra is stuck in Egypt, and the Bill, I mean Octavian, and a big-ass Roman army, they are coming. I don't know, that sounds like a Bill. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big Bill, yeah. Okay. So she, she begins sending gifts, money, diplomats, oh, anything to Octavian, asking him that her children be allowed to rule Egypt and that Mark Antony be spared. Because she knows that it, the battle's lost, pretty much. Right, it's over. Yeah, and this mm. maybe bought a little bit of time for them, um, but in the end, all negotiations failed, and Octavian invaded Egypt in 30 BCE from pretty much every angle. Like, this wow. is a full-fledged invasion. Shit. And they, Cleopatra and Antony, they had a few supporters. Antony actually won a small victory against Octavian's forces, uh... Pretty soon, it became evident that the tide was inevitable. You're, yeah. You can win maybe one battle, but... Oh, and then Antony's whole fleet surrenders, and then oh his cavalry God. surrenders, and... Oh, the horses! It, yeah. <laughs> the horses, like, put up their hoofs, like, don't, don't do anything! We give <laughs> up! Please don't hurt us! Yeah. And then Mark Antony, he gets word from Cleopatra telling him that she had committed suicide. Oh. Now, she hadn't. What? She, she was still alive. Oh, um, my. Yeah, but she was either telling him, look, I'm going to, or this should have gotten to you after I did, or I don't uh -huh. know. But he's he, uh, he's so distressed by this that he he stabs himself to death. Oh, uh, well, he did it this time. <laughs> no officers yeah, around. And, no, he's lost everything. He's lost the war, and Cleopatra has, he, he thinks, has committed suicide. Now, he wow. either died there and his body was brought to Cleopatra, or he managed to make it to her and died in her arms. Oh, my God. Either way, super sad, uh, because she was still alive at this point. Wow. Well, fuck. <laughs> Yeah. Damn! <laughs> a little bit of heaviness for you right there. Just gonna, yeah. Just gonna jump into that. Yeah, sh shit. <laughs> okay. Now, Octavian's forces, they had taken the city of Alexandria and Egypt pretty much. The war was over. Uh, he had also captured three of Cleopatra's children, and he ordered that she be brought before him. She was in uh, basically her mausoleum at this point with all of her you know, servants and royal guards, just kind I of... I fucking knew it. I knew it. You know what? why? Why? Because remember when we talked about... Oh, fuck, who was it? When you're a meddlesome bastard, uh, you end up in a hole? What episode was oh, that? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, you yeah. end up in you end up in a hole. <laughs> it's just yeah. like Hitler, Saddam Hussein, Cleopatra all ended up in a hole in the ground. <laughs> sure. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So she's there in her mausoleum at the end of her rope. Mm-hmm. And Octavian orders that she be brought before him. And right. Before this, though, she was allowed to embalm and bury Mark Antony in her own her own tomb, which okay, a, a nice move, a classy move by Octavian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the t- the two of them meet. She's brought before him, and she flat out tells him right away that quote I will not be led in a triumph. Hmm. And because the Roman way was you parade the people you defeat in front of all the Roman people before usually executing them publicly. And she's like, look, that's not going to happen to me. And Octavian doesn't really answer her. He he says that, look, I'll let you live, but I'm not going to tell you anything further. Okay. So it's, it's kind of complicated. She doesn't really know what her fate is. But then a spy that she has in Octavian's court tells her that, yeah, Octavian's probably planning on parading you through Rome as the defeated queen of Egypt. Yeesh. Yeah, so she has no intention of letting this happen to herself, and she saw right. suicide yep. as her mm-hmm. only option left. Yeah. 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 So fun. there's a little mystery and confusion about Cleopatra's suicide, and I'm not going to talk about it. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, Here we go yeah. again. I, I'm going to let two experts on death talk about it instead. What? <laughs> Yeah, have they died? <laughs> they have. They have died seven times and returned to us seven times. Well, that's can, damn impressive for that. a couple of podcasters. <laughs> yeah. So they've started their own show called The Pre-Dead Boys, where they mm. talk about death. And, yeah. Hi there. We're The Pre-Dead Boys. My name is Dorian. This is Max. How hey. are you, Max? Not too bad. Very... Well, I guess we've are, we're already talking. Yeah. This is on our podcast. <laughs> Yeah, so James and Aaron asked us to uh, just tell y'all a little bit about Cleopatra's death because death is what Dorian and I talk about best and frequently. That's right. (laughs) So uh, first off, I really do hope that in this episode, y'all have been using the word venom when talking about snakes because snakes have venom and not poison. And it's always really good to start things off by being really pedantic. So Cleopatra, as I'm sure we've heard by now, was facing the end of her rope. She was about to be dragged back to Rome as a political prisoner, and instead opted to take her own life. Now, Cleopatra's actual suicide was a weird little series of false starts. Cleopatra first intended to commit suicide by setting fire to the mausoleum where she had collected her treasures. Roman soldiers found entry to the mausoleum and thwarted her plans. She was taken captive. Cleopatra then arranged for a poisonous snake, most likely an asp, to be smuggled to her in a basket of figs. Now, Dorian, we've talked about mausoleums a lot before. Yes. And I can't really recommend burning them down. That seems like a bad move. Yeah. And, I mean, what is this mausoleum made out of? I would assume stone or brick or something. Straw. Just light the whole thing up. (laughs) So, there's a bit of controversy as to if Cleopatra's poisoning was actually done with a snake. It may have been done with a poison-coated hairpin. Hmm. 
just like a stick and poke tattoo that's really bad for you. <laughs> However, the Roman physician Galen also theorized that she may have even done a vampire thing and bitten her own arm and then just poured poison into it. That is pretty metal. Yeah. Damn, that's cool. I, I mean, it's not cool, but... <laughs> uh, well, that's, that's how the history went. Uh, it came out of my mouth already, so let's just keep moving. <laughs> Max, I know you hate birds and you hate the deep ocean. Uh -huh. how, do you, how do you feel about snakes? Um, I'm okay with them. I think I've never seen an asp. You really gotta, you really gotta get that plosive in there. Asp. Good. They're gonna love us. <laughs> so let's uh, pass it back over to James and Aaron. Sick. Thanks, Max. Bye. Thanks, guys. So those were the pre-dead boys, and they want you to know that you're gonna rot. You're gonna rot, Aaron. <laughs> That's fine. Okay. Well, I'm yeah, already rotting. <laughs> That's true. Well, we're all gonna rot, and that doesn't have to be a bummer, because the pre-dead boys will prepare you for the inevitable as they explore the history and culture of death and decomposition. So check them out. Yeah. A podcast about death. It's good stuff. That doesn't sound depressing at all. <laughs> no, they're hilarious. It's, it's good stuff. So check them out at their website, predeadboys.com. Yes. <laughs> so... Thanks for that, pre-dead boys. Yeah, yes. Um, stay stay pre-dead, please. Yes, don't die yet. <laughs> no. So, Cleopatra committed suicide, like they said, and it, it may have been from the poison of a snake. Oh. I'm not going to say venom. Oh, oh. I know it's venom, not poison, like they Wh said, but I'm going to say poison. Why? Because to annoy them. <laughs> I know they're guests, <laughs> but I want... I want to just, yeah, the snake, the snake's poison. <laughs> so, so she, she died in August of 30 BCE and she was only 39 years old. Oh, she made it a really long way for that time period. <laughs> That's true. Like eight times the average lifetime expectancy. <laughs> Wait, the average was five? Shit, I guess so, it probably yeah, was. Yeah, it was. Probably. Yeah. Well, okay. That's, that's historical. <laughs> so her two closest servants also probably committed suicide with her, which is like really you. sad. Yeah. yeah. Now, when Octavian heard of this, he was angered that this is what it came to. But he allowed her to be buried in a royal fashion alongside the body of Mark Antony in her tomb. So again, well, another classy move. Yeah, at least that. Yeah. At least that. Yeah. Caesarian, or Billy, the son of Cleopatra and Julius Caesar, uh, he had been away down south, sent by Cleopatra to escape the Romans and perhaps later return to rule Egypt for himself. Yeah, things, things are not going to go well for him. I can call it right now. Yeah, you're right. So yeah. only a few days after Cleopatra was dead, Billy was tricked by Octavian to return to Alexandria. Octavian then executed him as a traitor, and this brought an end to the Ptolemaic line of Egypt. And Egypt was made into a province of Rome. Man. Uh, yeah, just like that. That's a long road. And that it it's almost like it didn't need to happen. Hmm. Yeah. You know? I mean, of course, Ptolemy was fooling around with well, one of the Ptolemies. That, what, the 12th? The, the 12th. first one. What? Yeah. Uh, he was fooling around with... Yeah, the 12th first one. Um, he was fooling around with the Romans, getting them involved in bullshit in Egypt, and you right. know, getting in debt and all that shit, and Cleopatra comes along, and she's trying to politic her way to greater power. 
Yep. And now it's just like, all right, just, you know what, Egypt, fuck it. Welcome to Rome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you can't... You can't win over the gaze of Rome's greedy eyes and expect yeah. them not to take you over. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Still today, actually, too. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the other interesting thing is this is one of the events that kind of marks the end of the Roman Republic, which I've kind of been hinting at. Yeah. Because Octavian would soon thereafter amass the constitutional powers of Rome and become the first Roman emperor and be renamed Augustus. Gotcha. Which, mm, mm -hmm. You know, Octavian from Augustus is like badass name to badass name. I gotta say, there's great stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's all As in for the Cleopatra, name. It is. It is, yeah. As for Cleopatra's other three children that she had with Mark Antony, we're not too sure what happened to them. Not so much. Uh, we do know that they were taken back to Rome for a while. Uh, two of them, two of the boys, they disappear from history, kind of, at this point. The third, Cleopatra's only daughter, named Cleopatra Selene. The second, she eventually was married to a North African king, and she did quite a bit to improve the arts and the culture of the Roman territory of Mauritania, which is Northern cool. Africa. So, Fair enough. Kind of a, kind of a legacy, um, which is neat. Now, as far as her main, uh, legacy goes... There's just a ton to cover for Cleopatra. Oh, God. So I could go through and analyze all the important <laughs> things that make up Cleopatra's legacy. Oh, man. Or I could have somebody else do it. Oh. Okay, here we go. Let's mark it for a new clip. Uh, nope. What? Nope. I actually don't have another clip. Uh -uh. So unfortunately for all of you, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you about Cleopatra's legacy, and I'm gonna do it in the form of an acronym with her name. Uh, okay. <laughs> you're just you're just lucky I didn't make a song to go with it. Okay, I almost made a song. So Cleopatra Cleo, Cleopatra Cleopatra's name. C the C in Cla Cleopatra stands for cultural depictions of Cleopatra. <laughs> Which is a Wikipedia page that exists, and you can go read it on your own time, because there's a truckload of material there. I will not, but thanks. <laughs> L is literature. You've got writers from all time periods fascinated with her. Plutarch, Josephus, and Cicero wrote about her in the early early days. Oh. Cicero also hated her for some reason. That makes perfect uh, sense. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, people Cicero. <laughs> he, yeah, he is kind of moody. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way of putting it. He's just a yeah, little punk. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so people have always written about her, and it's just been fascinated by her. And, of course, there's the whole HBO series, which includes mm -hmm. her, the, the Rome series. There's the movie about her, blah, blah, blah. The E in her name stands for Empire. Because Cleopatra was a key figure in the series of events that ended the Roman Republic and gave Octavian somewhat of an excuse to become emperor and create the Roman Empire. So there's that, which we already uh, talked about. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the O in her name stands for, oh my god, she's giving away grain. <laughs> nice. During her reign, Cleopatra helped a ton of her starving peasant farmers by lowering taxes on them and releasing large amounts of grain from the royal granaries, which in turn helped uh, helped cure a famine that Egypt was going through, thereby helping the whole country, yada yada yada. So, good move. Nice. The P in her, sta in her name stands for paintings and statues. 
And guess what? There are a ton of paintings and statues of her. That's no all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah. A. A stands for a woman's face on coins. <laughs> Cleopatra was the only Ptolemaic queen to issue her own coins with her own face on them. And we have a lot of these coins today, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Also, this action was almost certainly what inspired Julius Caesar to start the same practice over in Rome, putting your face on millions of coins. Which is <laughs> a like life goal. super vain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. T. T stands for territory. She greatly increased the territory under the control of Ptolemaic Egypt, which, of course, in the end, greatly increased the land that came under the control of Rome. So it ended up being good for Rome. <laughs> Yeah. R stands for ran out of time to fill this one in. <laughs> Moving on. A stands for a controversial figure. And this is big. People still don't really know how to think of Cleopatra. Um, mm. She's portrayed in all sorts of ways, from warrior to vicious queen to a woman who would do anything for her children to a flirtatious lover to a nobody, to a sex icon, to a victim of imperialism, literally anything and everything, okay? She's okay. portrayed as all sorts of things. And Yeah, um, uh, I that's the, that's kind of interesting cuz um she doesn't come across to me from what I've learned today uh as a person who could couldn't be all of those things all at once. Like I think she yeah. could be. Does that make sense? Right. Uh, yeah, I, it's it's all <laughs> a lot of it's possible. Yeah, it's right, there's right. so much in that story, and we didn't cover any of it. So yeah. <laughs> go read it for yourself. Yep, I'm not gonna tell you who Cleopatra was. <laughs> okay, <laughs> two hours into the show, and I don't know. Okay, here we're we're at the end of it. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Well, that was interesting. Uh, Cleopatra. That's, wow, that's oh. it. Well, yeah. shit, that was a weird one, because we had all those mm -hmm. people just butting in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really rude. Really yeah. rude. Hey, speaking of rude, I really want to thank them all for a minute, because, A, they were all super helpful and friendly, and I know this took a lot of time for some people, so thank you all for coming on this podcast. We, we love you. Yes, thank you so much for contributing to the We Talk About Dead People collection. <laughs> disaster <laughs> we do love you and I another thing I want to say is there were a few shows that also wanted to come on but for one reason or another they they couldn't they couldn't come on um, and they had good excuses like one of them she lost her voice so she wasn't able to come on which Aww. you know if you can't talk it's hard to podcast yeah <laughs> so uh, quick quick recovery we hope for you maybe later and, yeah yeah for sure and another another two their whole town flooded. <laughs> what? So I'm picturing like Noah's Ark, but they weren't able to get in a, a clip to me, which is, it's a lame excuse, but whatever. Okay. But again, later. Yeah. yeah. So these, these podcasts, the Queen's podcast, the podcast Cutting Class, the History of Ancient Greece podcast, the You're Creepy podcast, <laughs> and the podcast review show. You, you guys were, were lovely people. Um, like alarmingly friendly kind of weird friendly um <laughs> but thank you so much for showing interest and i hope all is well with you yeah well one one other thing i i, I want to say is uh i haven't met anybody who's been rude or mean in the podcasting community everybody's no. been like super helpful um and 
uh, I had something else I wanted to say. Damn it. Damn it. I'm trying to rush because my beats are about to die. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Oh, one other thing is that James put all this together himself. I didn't know about any of this. Uh, Contacting everyone, getting them on the show, like, that is is all him. So, So, uh, you can blame me. Yes, we can blame (laughs) Uh, Well... Shall we head to the surface, James? Yeah, because this is this is a huge episode, and we didn't figure anything out. So let's go. Let's just let's get out of here. So, James, tell me, what are you yeah. gonna do for the rest of the day? Take a nap. What are you gonna do? Uh, gotta work, man. Okay, cool. Gotta work, work, work. You gotta edit this episode. You gotta do some other shit. You know, classic, classic. Uh, but yeah. Busy man. You're a busy man. This was cool. I'm glad we did this. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, everybody, (laughs) for being a part of our family. Our our inbred, (laughs) co-ruling Egyptian Roman family. That, that's actually a pretty freaking accurate depiction of what the show is like (laughs) yeah and speaking of the show i think it's time to bring it to a close for today so feel free to send all your hate tweets to wtadp podcast we'll read all of them and not alone if you hate us you're probably right if you like us though please consider funding the show by becoming a patron on patreon.com that's patreon.com slash we talk about dead people 50 bucks 20 bucks even as little as a dollar as much as it costs to buy a roman emperor uh, helps tremendously. Our cover art was created by the extremely gifted Ian Patterson. Ah, extremely gifted. Sorry, both of us are off today. Extremely gifted Ian Patterson of Ian Patterson Illustration. You can view more of his phenomenal work at www.ipattersonillustration.com. And with all that said, we'll close out and let the sounds of Cleopatra being bitten by a snake play you out. Poor John is getting hungry. Oh no, what's he gonna do? Well, uh, but oh, what's this? What has he got in his coat pocket? It's a piece of a pancake. <laughs> a pancake from You got a crazy king, an extravagant ball dedicated to Satan, flaming <laughs> wangs, and now you have a pissed off populace. You didn't I love I'm on another level! I'm here to mess up your resources <laughs> and destroy your history labs are murdered! Oh god! Royal the beluga whales My dearest friend, Bam, will you help Sam, me pick up this Sammy. chair and move it to you the house? You know what, James? Yes, I did have a date to move it to high school house. prom, oh. okay? <laughs> oh my god, do you know what time it is, James? <laughs> Shit, no way. <laughs> it's time for World War One. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Is that what you call my butt cheeks? You can't see your boyfriend! <laughs> if this were not so, the mere will of the minister would become the You only have one love Oh god, no, the lads are striking against my So Grandpa's been to the moon with the tape measure. James D. was researching for today's episode, but in typical James D. fashion, he was naked and also behind, with his naked behind. My stand royal politics! No, 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 he gets attacked by a group of crafty It's we talk about dead people! That's right, buddy!